Hi ho ho, it's me, 2023, the year. Back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast, and as always, I'm joined by Babby. <laughs> it's list week. We we did it. Yippee. Yeehaw. Big the whole circle around the sun. <laughs> we did it. Uh, these are always my favorite. Uh, I, I love talking about all the things I did this year. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about top five movies, TV shows, and video games of the year. If you're curious about music, because we do cover music on this program, well, we did that on the main channel already. It's out. It's out. There'll be another one coming out, though. That's Sorry. right. That's right. So it'll be the one on the channel right now is top five albums uh, of the year. And then the one that will be coming out next week is the top five albums that we reacted to this year that did not come out this year. Very catchy title. <laughs> it's a little convoluted, but it's the only way to ensure there's no overlap. It's true. So there you go. Um, I don't know if we talk about stuff before. There hasn't been a whole lot of news, so we can probably, we can just, probably just do lists. We I can just like do the lists. Um, yeah, we'll just do that. I'm not sure what order we want to do. Um, I will say my TV one is good, and I can talk about them. Uh, my <laughs> movies one is atrocious, and my video game one is also atrocious. Okay. Okay. Um, well, then... I don't know. Should we end with TV then? Let's put it right in the middle. Let's put TV in the middle. Okay. Yeah, it's the best way to gain retention in case they get bored. And then we're like, Ooh, it's TV time. Sure. Yeah. And then you can talk about that more than I can. Yeah. So maybe we can kind of alternate where. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We can do that. We'll start with. I'm sure we'll games. have a lot of overlap with TV too. So. Oh uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure, sure most of it will be overlap. Uh, some of it. I think there's two shows that will certainly have overlap, but other than that, I don't know. I don't know what you're watching these days. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better have had Ghost Adventures on there. I did not, but I think that did have a new season this year, so I could have. Yeah, there's like 30-something like, seasons. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, we won't be talking about Zach Baggins, but... Maybe next year. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, but I think we'll start with Epic Games. Uh, start with number five. Uh, should, I guess, do you want me to start with this one? You go first on this one. Okay. And then we'll flip-flop. Okay. Now, I need to give a big old preface in front of my number five because I think I've only played five games this year. Well, six now. Because I wanted to have one as an honorable mention because of the name. Uh, and so then I bought it today and played it. So <laughs> I, I played six games this year, technically. Um, but this game got a lot of critical praise. But it's not one that I really got into. I tried playing it twice. Um, not totally my thing, but... You know, I have a lot, a lot of respect for this game. It's Baldur's Gate 3. I feel, I feel like, I feel a little bad putting it, I guess it's the lowest on the list, but um, 
I think I'm just not a huge fan of uh, isometric role-playing games. Not quite my cup of tea. I guess this isn't technically isometric because the camera can move 360. It isn't just like stuck on a diagonal. But it's that kind. I think Baldur's Gate, the first two games, are isometric. So... Yeah, not totally my cup of tea, even though I do enjoy D&D, but, and, and this is what makes me a bad DM, is that I don't really like fantasy that much, so I think it's a not very interesting setting, not a whole lot of nuance, um, so whenever I run... I like Fallout. I like Fallout, too. It gives me all that stuff, and then it's still a little bit grounded. It's, yeah, and that's the thing, too, with Fallout, which I guess we can talk a little bit about, is that it had... I think there is a lot of fantastical elements in Fallout, but there is uh, there is this like dark, gritty seriousness under it, uh, like a lot of social commentary in it, but it's also unbelievably silly at times too. Yeah. So it, it's, it strikes a really nice balance where I feel like fantasy is a little afraid to embrace the silliness. I feel like sometimes it gets a little too self-indulgent. Um, and I, I think don't Baldur's really Gate care. does that though. It does, but I just, no, I'm just, I just don't really like fantasy. No, yeah. So I, I really do have a lot of respect for Baldur's Gate. It, it really does a lot of things that I respect about games with like actually changing based on player decisions. I think that's a really cool thing that has pretty much only been possible these days uh, like, I, well, that's not true because like the original Fallout games are like still like that. But it's nice that this trend is coming back, I guess. So my number five is Baldur's Gate three. Yippee! Um, okay, big prefaces on my list. <laughs> this is not a good list, but this is the games I've played. Uh, I okay. feel like my relationship with games has changed because now it's purely a like wind down, shut my brain off and chill type activity. Sure. And I'm usually uh, a year or two or three late on the really good story games that come out. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a PS five, so I can't play a couple of them that I want to. Sure. Um, but with that being said, at number five, I have Assassin's Creed Mirage. I didn't play this game. My <laughs> girlfriend plays this game. And every time I walk in on her playing it, it's a cutscene, or she's just walking behind somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it could be a good game, but I haven't seen the gameplay of it, frankly. Uh, (laughs) But it is a game that I'm aware of that came out, and I did have some exposure to it. So that's why it's number five. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. Uh, Wow, I was not expecting an Assassin's Creed game to be on either of them. You know what? I wasn't either. I had four slots down, and I'm like, I need one more. I'm like, oh, she plays that game. (laughs) There's nothing else? Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, okay. Well, that's, that's fine. I guess, you know, if you're, if you're happy having Assassin's Creed on your list, I, I guess. Yeah, that's I'll do it. I'll do it for her. I'd never do it on my own, but oh, you know, I'll make sure to send her this clip so that she knows how much that Oh, uh, she knows. Okay. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I'm like, if I have to talk about Assassin's Creed on this podcast for more than three minutes, I'm going to be really upset. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can move on. (laughs) I don't want to make you upset for the rest of the show. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So my number four, uh, it's a little indie game. I don't know how many people know about it. I think it was reviewed pretty well on Steam. I don't know if it's on consoles yet, but it's called Dave the Diver. You ever heard of Yo, this thing? I forgot about Dave the Diver, dude. Dave the I'm Diver. I'm changing slaps. my number five to Dave the Diver. <laughs> this game's awesome. That game's awesome. Any fishing game like that or diving or anything is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I it, forgot that was this year. That Yeah, I know. I showed up on the list of like games that came out. I like scrolled through the entire Wikipedia page of games that came out and went, oh yeah, Dave the Diver. That's a good game. But uh, I guess if you don't know anything about Dave the Diver, I don't know how well known it is. Uh, it's a... Uh, you run a sushi restaurant uh, at night, but then during the day you're going out in your scuba gear and you're fishing with a harpoon gun. Um, and there is a story. I will say the story was the least interesting part for me where it's like there's underwater humans and they have their own little society. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to fish. I want to fish. <laughs> That's all I want. Um I will say, like, the more I played it and the more, like, systems that were added, the more I kind of started to get a little disenchanted with it. But, man, those first, like, 10 to 15 hours and you're just going out and, like, uh, going fishing and then you're bringing them back to the store and you're seeing how much money you can bring in and there's, like, really great pixel art, like maybe some of the best that I've ever seen. Uh, it's crazy what they're able to do. So big, big shout out to Dave the Diver this year. A fantastic little game. Check it out if you haven't. There you yes, go. sir. I forgot that came out. Um, but yeah, honorary number five for me. <laughs> Dave the Diver. Uh, number four, little indie game called Starfield. <laughs> Did you ever get um, that to run? No. <laughs> okay. This is a game that I think I'm going to really like, but uh, the Xbox Game Pass PC port seems to be broken for me for some reason. Um, that could be a combo of Windows 11 and using a widescreen monitor. I feel no. like both of those things are hinged against me when it comes to playing video games because I have a lot of issues. Uh, but when it works, it looks fantastic. Um, I played maybe the first 20 minutes of this game, uh, it definitely had the old school Bethesda feel, which I yeah. like. I'm a big fan of that stuff. Um, so even with the little glitches and the, you know, you start the game and immediately the person that you need to follow walks so slow and your character is so much faster. Yeah. I'm like, I'm definitely playing a Bethesda game. I'm glad they didn't change their charm at all with it. Uh, <laughs> I do love the character creator. I made a one-to-one -one Saul Goodman and then the game crashed and ruined all of my progress. So then I just made, like, some random guy. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, maybe, you know, this will be one that I can include on my list next year. I do want to get it working um, mm -hmm. because I have been wanting to dive into, like, another, you know, RPG type thing. Sure. Uh, but I just haven't had the time or energy to, like, figure that out. Um, but that also rings true with Bethesda games in general. you got to work for it a little bit. New Vegas is unplayable without mods. Uh, yes. Not because the game's bad, but because like the PC port is so abysmally like horribly horrible that it just doesn't work on most systems. Yes. So, yeah. But I'll give an update on this game probably next year if I remember. Uh, but I gotta put it at number four still because I am interested. 
Well, if you're into RPG, you should check out Disco Elysium. I just started playing I do that need one. to play that as well. Yes. Uh, that game is crazy. I like, I'm going to love that game. <laughs> I think you are. I, um, man, I, I just started playing it again. I got like way further this time. That is an isometric RPG, but mm-hmm. there's so much like, Oh, there's just so <laughs> I'm playing like a guy who's like way too smart, but not like charismatic at all. And like the thing that's really great about that is that like your attributes don't just affect speech or like, you know, combat. There's no combat in the game at all. Um, it, it also affects like, well, your different attributes will be like they'll speak to you just randomly throughout the game. And because I'm really <laughs> smart and like my encyclopedia skill is really high, I'll just be walking around and then I'll get like 10 pages of a description of like some random item that like comes up I'm like, no, this is the worst decision I ever made. I shouldn't have put all those points into encyclopedia. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really smart and quiet, but I'm also a, uh, uh, a communist ultra feminist guy. So that's you just like cool. me for real. <laughs> well, yes, but I, I'm also learning advanced race theory, so I might be yeah. racist too. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's political beliefs are a little all over the place, but that's what's <laughs> fun. You can just go off and make like the most radical guy in the whole world and both sides. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely need to pick that one up. Um, I'm hoping once I move, like, and we have our desks in like a separate room, so my desk isn't in the middle of my tiny apartment. I can yeah. actually like focus on a storytelling game or like an RPG. So yeah. that's definitely high on my list. Yes, it's a good one. It's a good one, and it took me a very long time to get into it, but not on this list. It came out like five years ago or something. Yeah. Uh, my number three. This is going to be maybe surprising to some, but my number three is uh, Spider-Man 2. Um, I know. What could possibly be above it? Well, the answer may surprise you. Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man 2, I liked it. I think gameplay-wise, this is the best Spider-Man game. But the story is a little weak. Cosmetics are weak. Not going to go into that again. But uh, it's important to me. Uh, this game probably would have been my number one if not for two others. And I'm a little embarrassed of what number two is, but when I was... I'm embarrassed re- of the entirety of my the rest of my <laughs> list, so it's okay. Okay. Well, you're not going to like my number two, and that's fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's that's okay. But Spider-Man 2, I think it's still worth playing. Um, definitely. it's It's fun. It's a fun, big blockbuster game, which I'm not usually a huge fan of, but when it's a Spider-Man game, I'm in. So check out, uh, if you haven't heard of it, you should probably uh, check it out. Listen nope. to the podcast, maybe. Well, yeah, that's Idiot. that too. I have been talking about it a lot for like a month. So there you go. Spider-Man 2 is number three. Well, I should, probably should have moved it up. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I'm realizing I have a lot of issues when it comes to numbering going forward. Um, okay, games. This starts games that I've actually played extensively this year. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, also, you should know that 
Um, my top gaming genres are FPSs and racing games, uh, which seems really stupid, but it's what I like because it's dumb fun. It's fine. And it's something where I can get better at the mechanics of the game and not progress story-wise, which is what yeah. I go for usually. Uh, number three, I have the new Forza Motorsport. Oh. Um, this is free on Game Pass Day 1, which is sick. Uh, I, I've been loving Game Pass. I feel like Game Pass is my savior when it comes to actually trying new games because I'm a lot more inclined to just download something and try it if it's on Game Pass. Yeah. Um, and the port works, which That's sometimes happens, want. sometimes doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... The game's pretty solid. Uh, it's mostly a competitor to like actual racing sims, um, which I don't have a lot of experience with. I just got my wheel this year, uh, like so, Gran Turismo. Yeah, like that kind of stuff, like from i racing. Ga- and that, <laughs> that's a little crazy. From gamer to racist. From gamer to racist. <laughs> I'm a racist gamer this week or this year. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good though. I mean, the driving mechanics are really great. Uh, I feel like it's a field where I haven't really like played racing games that require you to actually know all the mechanics of racing and the vehicle and the tracks. Um, but it's a one-to-one for real courses across the world and it's all weather operated. So as you race, the time of day changes and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's really cool to kind of get into something new where it's not just like a need for speed style. Cause that's usually what I do when it comes to racing games. Um, but this one's a lot more involved and it's a lot more kind of practice and learning, uh, which when it comes to games, I love learning mechanics and getting stupidly good at stuff if I can. Yeah. Um, so pretty fun that way. Uh, the graphics are a little messed up. They're doing this stupid, a lot of AAA games are doing this now. They're doing this stupid, like, texture filtering where you can mm. turn down the percentage of, like, your render resolution. Yeah. It makes the game look awful, so I had to play in settings for, like, 45 minutes to get it look good, to, to look good. And that's, like, a thing with most AAA big games now, and it's annoying. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's just gaming industry aside. Uh, a lot of the cars are ported over from Forza Horizon 5, which is fine because it, that game has, like, one of the best selections of vehicles. Um, but it seems like a lot of the same and I wish there was more new stuff. Um, it just seemed like a lot of it was like a reskin, uh, which is also kind of how games work nowadays anyway. So I can't, you know, be too yeah. angry at it. Um, but overall it, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. Uh, it's a good way to like kind of focus up on something and do something different than I usually do. Um, I always love to get into the super expensive hobbies, which sucks. <laughs> because some people have like full racing sim setups and it's like crazy. Um, but it does look fantastic on a widescreen monitor. I've been loving my widescreen monitor. It's a game changer. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But that's my number three. Nice. Yeah. That that one, that's not a bad pick. I think that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I've been hearing good things about that one. Okay. So I'm going to apologize in advance uh, there's probably no good reason that this game is above Spider-Man, but or Baldur's Gate three or Dave the Diver. But this, when I was looking back at the games I played this year, I had a lot of fun with this one. So number two is the Jedi Survivor game. Ooh. I know. Uh, had a pretty disastrous launch. I think the PC port was nigh unplayable. Um, but I played on PlayStation five. It worked 
uh, fine. I think I had a few glitches here and there, um, and I think by now they've all been patched out. Seems most people are having, you know, at least on PlayStation, it's all been fine. I don't, I don't know, not checking in on the PC port, but I mean, the game is pretty fun. Like it takes all the stuff from that Fallen Order game they did in like 2018, and then just expands on all of it. Um, they like go full hog and like the customization, the cosmetics, which maybe that's why this game is higher than Spider-Man because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different stuff. Like, uh, that was probably my least favorite part of the Fallen Order game is that all of the cosmetics are just changing the color of your poncho. It's like, that's lame. I don't, that's like, it's like GameCube level stuff like you gotta have more than that so then this game you can change your pants and your shirt and your beard and your hair I'm like okay yeah I I like this so you can have like a really cool guy you can have a white lightsaber now I'm I'm spending all this time on the cosmetics and not even talking about the game. cosmetics are very important <laughs> very important to me uh <laughs> maybe a little too important but uh, it's what I like. Digital dress up is my favorite game. So yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, and you know, I like all of the different locations. I feel like it's a decent mix between, um, legacy and, and new planets, which I think may be a boy time mini, uh, episode coming up here. I, there's going to be a lot of Star Wars boy time minis because I know that Babby doesn't care about that at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, into the new year, we're, I'm going to have a couple. I have a couple ideas um, just for those. But, yeah, so we'll talk about that. But, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. I don't even think necessarily you have to be like a huge Star Wars fan. I don't even think necessarily you have to play the first one. I mean, it would help and you're like, it's, I'm not, it's not like it's a bad game at all. Like it's a pretty good game. If you're into like, it's weird to say like, if you're into dark souls, but they're very like souls like it's very Sekiro, which, uh, I don't think that the game was ripping off Sekiro because they were in development at the same time. I think it was just kind of a, a funny little coincidence. But check it out. It's a whole lot of fun. Uh, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and the, the story was better than I was expecting from a Star Wars story these days. So there you go. My number Sick. two. All right. Uh, number two. Let me just preface both of these by saying that the FPS genre is in the garbage right now. Yes. But being an FPS person, I take anything I can get. Uh, my number two is Modern Warfare 3 2. The second one. <laughs> not a re not a remake, the second one, like, reboot thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this game is actually fun. Um, there's a lot of things wrong with it, both in practice and, like, the concept of it and the execution of it. Um, but despite that, Call of Duty did the one thing they need to do, and it's make a fun game that you can actually play for more than a week. Um, this was originally supposed to be a direct sequel to Modern Warfare 2 in the form of a DLC, 
But Activision said that's not going to make us enough money. (laughs) So they gave Sledgehammer Games an 18-month calendar to create a $70 flagship Call of Duty title. Um, That resulted in (laughs) a a three-and-a-half-hour campaign that was utter garbage, Mm. Uh, a multiplayer that includes every single original Modern Warfare 2 2009 (laughs) map reported to the new Modern Warfare 3, the sequel to the new Modern Warfare 2. This is so confusing. I know. (laughs) I love Donkey uh, because every time a new Call of Duty comes out now, he like basically just talks about that and it's perfect. Um, And they're all, it's like all of his titles are like Call of Duty 21, Modern Warfare (laughs) 9 or something. Yeah. (laughs) So all of the Modern Warfare 2 maps are ported over. So there is zero new map on launch. Mm. Um, All of the weapons and camos from Modern Warfare 2 carry over to Modern Warfare 3. There's also new weapons in Modern Warfare 3 and new sets of camos for those weapons. Okay. And there's a zombies mode. So I do want to congratulate Sledgehammer for somehow making this a game that you can actually play. uh, Because that is a ridiculous timeline and Activision is criminal. Um, (laughs) That being said, this is like maybe the best multiplayer experience they've had in a long time. And I think it's like completely accidental in that they somehow got it to be pretty good uh, in the tight timeline. Um, I was very skeptical of them porting over all of the old Modern Warfare 2 maps because the game is not played in the same way that it used to be played. Uh, It came out on Xbox 360. People with controllers back in 2009 were not doing the things people are doing now. Um, A lot of the maps do translate over well, though. There are a couple where it's like this should just be thrown in the bin. But, uh, I mean, still a better map selection than most of, you know, Call of Duties. I think the Modern Warfare 2019 game uh, they abandoned the, the three route FPS map, mm-hmm. which is something you should never do because then there's no flow to any of the maps. And those maps were famously awful. Yeah. Um, but all these work pretty well. Uh, the weapon system is a lot easier than a modern warfare 19. I played a little bit of the modern warfare two from last year's release. Not a good game. I don't know what they were doing with that thing. It was just not good. Um, I feel like the the structure is Infinity Ward is good at campaigns. Mm-hmm. They're the good developer for that. They're really bad at multiplayer and third mode kind of creation. Uh, Treyarch is really good at zombies and pretty good at multiplayer. Sledgehammer knocks it out of the park when it comes to multiplayer and everything else is trash usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of rings true. I mean... They did the simple thing that I've been asking for since, like, the original Black Ops 2, and it's, like, give people challenges so they can actually unlock things and have a goal, like, towards. Um, There's daily missions, there's weekly missions, and you get actual real things for all of these. Uh, The unlock system is you get to do certain daily challenges, and then you unlock that thing, whether it's a perk or whatever, which is cool because it keeps you going for something, Um, and it forces you to use different weapons and different classes, which is good. Uh, the weapons are also pretty good. All of these guns are usable, which is rare for a Call of Duty game. Usually there's a meta of one or two guns and then everything else just kind of gets like thrown to the side. Um, but all these play pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad experience. Uh, I haven't played the campaign because I couldn't be bothered to even dive into that trash can. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
The zombies mode is pretty decent. It's not round-based like everybody wanted, but I think it's the best non-round-based zombies experience you can get. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it keeps me engaged because the camo challenges are fun to do and you get, you know, that's the the customization thing of this game is good. Uh, Because all the new camos look really great. Usually Call of Duty camos all look trash until you get to, like, the gold and the diamond and stuff. But a lot of these look fantastic. Um, They're easy to unlock. Each gun has four camo challenges. You do that as you level up the gun. Uh, It's not over strenuous. I believe, like, Modern Warfare 2019, you had to, like mount your weapon onto a wall and basically sit on that wall and get 150 kills per weapon to unlock a camo. Uh, Just ridiculous grind. It it became like Destiny 2 level of a grind where it's like not fun anymore. Um, But this one seems to know where the players like to actually kind of how they like to play and how they like to progress. Uh, So very good job there. Um, This game is not worth $70. It's worth about $30. I think Call of Duty and Activision should just step back and be like, here's a free-to-play multiplayer experience that we will continue to update like every other FPS does. I don't know why they haven't done this model yet, um, but that's kind of the new way forward. Have a free-to-play multiplayer experience. You can do all the microtransactions you want and all the battle passes you want, but just keep it updating because this would be the perfect game to build it off of because it's the truest Call of Duty experience you can have in like the past five or so years. (laughs) So that being said, there's like a lot wrong with this game, but the core reason I play the game is, you know, multiplayer and that's pretty solid this year. Um, So pretty decent arcade FPS. If you need to shut your brain off and shoot at things. Sure. Like I often do. Yes. I think I've gone back to old monkey brain too. I'm just like, "Eh." yeah, Although my my comfort is like 3D platformers, so like respect a little different. I just went uh, same concept though. Same concept. I'm just chilling out. I was just playing Banjo Kazooie, fantastic game. And Try it's it. something you get better at, not the game gets better at it for you. Yes, yes, that is true. And I gotta find all the little the little things. I love yeah. collecting things. I love collecting. Unfortunately, there's no different backpack colors for Banjo, unfortunately. Otherwise, it would be a masterpiece. Um, But do you have any honorable mentions for video games before we get into number one? Um, I don't know if I do. Is there anything I didn't... I want to get a PS5 or an Xbox so I can play some of the new games i think i want a ps5 so i can play the new ps5 games but i don't want to pay for a ps5 because it's going to sit there for like most of the time um that's true i do want to play the new cyberpunk dlc Mm -hmm. i am a pretty decent fan of cyberpunk and i'd like to play the dlc now that people say that the game works and plays pretty well yeah um so that's one i didn't get to but i do want to go back and replay that Mm mm-hmm and that, I guess that would technically count for this year still. So Yeah, it was on the and list. And it went like so best ongoing game or something. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I it was showing up on like lists of games that came out this year, so I would count it. Yeah. Um, my honorable mention is, uh, yeah, you want those games, right? So here you go. Now let's see you clear them. Perfect. J- just the best game Ten of all time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess for those who don't know what this game is, um, it's by Monkey Craft Co. Limited. 
um, which are the people who make the Katamari Damacy games. Uh, <laughs> they took all of the games from like those mobile game ads you see all over the internet and made playable versions of those ads on Steam for $10. Um, mm. So, yeah, you want those games, here you go now. Let's <laughs> see so you clear them. Um, it's not very fun, and I've seen some people in the reviews be like, "It would this game would be a whole lot more enjoyable if the minigames were fun. And I'm like, I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> Where this is, it's kind of like... Like, yo, it looks fun when you see the ads, but then if you actually played these games, they're kind of trash. So, I don't know. It's more commentary on the mobile game industry than it is an actual game, but it probably has the best title of any game that has ever come out in the history of the world. So, yeah, I will say you can definitely tell it was made for mobile. Um, because like the mouse controls are awful. I had to play with like a controller and, uh, when you do that, it's just like a little cursor that goes to like all the things you can click and I'm like, Oh, this is not good. So I will say does not feel the best to control, but I don't, this is not a serious game I'm talking about here. So yeah, I just thought I would shout it out because it's fun to say the title of this game, especially in a recorded format. So that's my honorable mention. I'm not a, I've played a lot of games this year, but like barely any of them came out this year. So sorry. But my number mm-hmm. one, my number one is, I think, a no surprise to anybody. It is Zelda Elder Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, this was like my game for two months, two or three months this year. Uh, it took me a very, very long time to beat, not because it was particularly hard or anything, but I would just, just like, Ooh, I want to go around. I was like crawling around in the, in the underground realm and finding all these cool little costumes, which is the most important part of any game. It's true. Uh, and you know, I will say, and maybe I shouldn't have a game that I have a lot of problems with in my number one, but it is just Breath of the Wild again. So I honestly, I don't even know if this game deserves to be a full game. Like, uh, and this is like, uh, it's kind of hard because this is a franchise that basically... It doesn't reinvent itself every single time. Most of the 3D games feel the same. Most of the 2D games feel the same. But they feel distinctly different. Like They have different art styles, different tones. Uh, generally, the controls feel a little different, even if the like, gameplay is pretty much the same formula. Um, now we're getting like uh, a different one here. Um, but it's like, this is just straight straight up breath of the wild just with more stuff in it same map same everything um and that's a little lame um especially because there's a game that did the pretty much the exact same thing but is completely different than the one that came before it in the same franchise which is majora's mask 
they just poured it over a bunch of assets from Ocarina of Time and made a completely different game. It is like night and day between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Even though they look the same, like, Majora's Mask is on a timer. You have three days to do the whole (laughs) game, uh, or else the moon is going to crash into the world and everybody's going to die. Ganondorf's not in it. It's just a giant moon. And has the scariest face. It's the best character ever made. <laughs> it is. That's my favorite assist trophy in Smash is the moon. Because it just crashes into the map and explodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this game uh, really, really solid. Um, definitely in terms of like... In terms of like enabling player creativity, I think this is definitely a landmark game especially in like you can like build things like the vehicles but then that there you can build solutions to puzzles and you can build weapons and and arrows like everything is is so customizable uh but i will say and this is maybe a problem with it just being a video game in general but if the the choices are that broad where you can really do anything, but you're going to find the one thing that works and then just, that's all you're going to do. Why even try to experiment with anything if your one thing works every single time? And especially in an open world that scales to your level that isn't like shown to you. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, on the surface, it's a lot of uh, <laughs> creativity, but in reality, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to kill these white Bokoblins and then turn that into a, a sword, and then that's going to work every single time, and that's just the end game. The end game is very repetitive, but man, those first like 20 hours or so are magic and... I just had the most fun walking around in the dark. Uh, Anytime I had to go above ground or in the sky, I was like, this is lame. (laughs) But I liked rooting around like a little mole man, and that's what I like. So maybe maybe it shouldn't be number one, but it was the one that I played the longest this year. I don't even think it's like my favorite game that I played this year, but it's my favorite game that came out this year, which... I don't know. I don't know. I I just, this was a a year in terms of gaming. I was not super into like my, the big ones that I were anticipating Spider-Man and Zelda and Mario kind of disappointed me. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a little unfortunate, but that being said, Zelda is definitely the, the best game that I played that came out this year. So that is, that is why it is there. So there you go. That's Yippee. my gaming list. Sick. Uh, my number one is Counter-Strike 2. Uh, didn't know this thing was actually going <laughs> to exist until it happened. And then I was like, whoa. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I'll go over a lot of the issues with it because there are issues with it. <laughs> I like how uh, we both had number one. I know. So then the entire time we're just going to be like, okay, well, here's what's wrong with our number yes. one. Yes. <laughs> this, 
I think this says more about games in general right now. Yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah. So this thing kind of came out as a beta for a while. Um, I'm giving it number one because of it's obviously going to be an ongoing game for a very long time, and I see a lot of promise in it. Uh, basically, it's in the Source 2 engine, which is a massive, very much needed update. Um, everything looks fantastic now. Uh, the maps are all redone. Um, everything looks great. Uh, no new map yet, um, but I feel like it's Counter-Strike, so there's less of a, you know, pull where you need a new map right away. Um, they did bring back a couple that have been out of the rotation for a while, um, but it looks gorgeous. The new engine is fantastic. Uh, they definitely streamlined a lot of things. Um, it's now first to 13 instead of first to 16, which I think for casual and like more casual people that play that game is perfect. Um, that is exactly ripped from Valorant, and I think it works well because it doesn't... There's always like a midpoint in a long Counter-Strike game where like it goes on for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the sequencing of it started to get a little bad, especially since there's going to be like three eco rounds since the economy doesn't work the best in 16, uh, in first to 16. But... Um, they did that. They updated the buy wheel, so you can now pick guns for certain slots. It's a lot easier to navigate. Um, so a lot of like a lot of really great quality of life updates. Um, that's basically what this bring this game brings is like huge quality of life updates, huge update and overhaul of the graphics and the UI and everything like that. Um, and with a game like Counter Strike, that's mostly all you need um, because I mean Counter Strike is so incredibly unique that you don't really need anything too crazy or jarring considering your core gameplay is some of the best you can have with an fps um the issues uh it came out fully i think in september which is pretty much on the timeline they said it was going to uh but i don't think it should have because mm. when you release a game fully you expect there to be more content added to it and there's not. Um, the game is the exact same as it was in beta, except all the maps are released now. Um, but there's been no operation. They didn't even release a new case when it came out, which is the least Valve thing they've ever done. Um, yeah, there's been zero anything when it comes to that for a while. Uh, but they've been doing constant bug fixes and stuff, so it feels like the game is still in a beta state. Um, but... I do have hopes that it's going to get a lot better. I think in the new year there will definitely be cases and operations, and I am interested to see what pro play looks like in this game. I haven't really watched a lot of it. Um, I don't know how well along they are in like big tournaments when it comes to the new game. Um, I think another... I could go either way on this, but when, this, when CS2 came out, they closed Counter-Strike Go, so you can't play Global Offensive anymore unless you go in like the... the versions tab on steam and go back to it mm. um i think that's to get everybody on the new engine because servers are expensive and that they had to like control servers for both games uh plus it's to get your player base on all on one track yeah. um so it makes sense i know a lot of people were sad about that i'm like i don't really care uh i've been playing that game for years of my life i'm kind of done with it i want the new updated version um but it's pretty good uh, when it comes to, like, FPSs. Counter-Strike is still, you know, up there with the best of them. 
Um, I think right now it is the best one out, uh, despite there not being a lot of content for it. But uh, Valve did some smart. They took a lot of the stuff from Valorant that Valorant did well, and they poured it over to the, uh, you know, father of that kind of FPS genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and made something pretty decent. Uh, I think I'll have a lot more nice things to say about it once we actually get new content and there's a new operation and there's new game modes and new maps and stuff like that. But uh, I think this is a game that's going to be built on for like the next 10 years or so, given how Valve likes to do that stuff. But yeah, that's my number one. Nice. Well, then I guess that'll be our gaming list of 2023. What an exciting list. Yeah, I don't think our number ones were surprises to anyone. No. Probably. Uh, or at least those who listen to the podcast this whole year, which I'm sure someone has. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, kind of a disappointing year. Not, not a whole lot of big, great games. I think really the only one that to really made make waves was Baldur's Gate. Uh, respect respect big respect to Larian Studios um, but maybe I'll go back and play it someday but maybe not we'll see I think we'll move on TV show list uh, this is the one where I have it's not a bad list but I didn't watch probably all that I should have I wanted to watch Barry. That didn't happen. I also didn't watch Barry. That's the only one I missed, I think. I didn't watch Barry. I've been hearing great things about the new season of Fargo. Oh, yeah. I forgot season five is out for that. Yeah. It's like at a We were just talking about how, like, she hasn't seen it, so we're going to, like, watch the movie and then Mm -hmm. maybe dive back into that. That's it's a great movie. The movie's great. Yeah. I, I I think I recently just bumped the movie up to five stars. That is I feel like, like it's my so favorite, good. like unofficial Christmas movie. <laughs> it it gives like Christmas holiday vibes. Just because it's snowy? Yeah, I don't know. It, it kinda has that same feel to it. Yeah, I su- I suppose. Cause I feel like every Christmas movie is set in the Midwest. Yeah. So exactly. It's got that kind of homey feel. Yeah. Uh, well not well yeah they're always set in like chicago mm-hmm. but then they're filmed in la and then they just put fake snow everywhere although i think kevin McAllister's house is in chicago so mm-hmm. yeah i think it is it's in like a really rich neighborhood <laughs> well of course have you seen that house yeah it's, it's crazy they, he has like 12 siblings including uh, uh roman roman roy Yes. Have you seen Home Alone recently and seen little baby Kieran Culkin? No. (laughs) It's weird. It's really weird. He's only in like the very beginning because he's like, I don't know, four or five. Like he's really small, but he has like big nerd glasses on. I'm like, that's not Roman Roy. That's not what he looks like. But it is kind of fun. But I'll have you start the TV show list. Sick. Number five. All right. Uh, I watched a lot of banger TV this year. Um, I, I, I'm glad I actually have a list of five things. Uh, oh. I, I watched a lot of my favorite TV shows this year. We, we watched the entirety of Adventure Time and Distant Lands and the entirety of Twin oh. Peaks, which back-to-back was just 
incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so at number five, naturally, comfort show, uh, the new seasons of Bob Berger. Oh. Uh, I think the second half of season 13 and then the entirety of season 14 was this year. Um, that show, it's pretty good. There's definitely highs and lows of it. Um, it's hitting that point in uh, an animation show that goes on for a certain point where they're starting to do more serious themes and a little bit more character-driven episodes, um, which usually I'm a fan of for animated shows. Some shows do it a lot better than others. Um, I feel like the show holds this unique kind of adult animation area where they can do both pretty well. Um, I think the characters hold up a lot better than like a, a family guy or like an American dad where it's like these characters are made just to be like super, super stereotyped and have no depth. Yeah. Um, I feel like Bob's Burgers is able to do that, but also like weave really good story beats into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the newer episodes, they're, they're definitely a lot more focused, um, but there's still some humor there. I mean, I mean, the, the concepts of the episodes are still fresh and new. Um, I think the show holds the record for like the most Thanksgiving episodes I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. There are like eight of them, um, but they're all pretty decent. Uh, I think they just released their Christmas episode last week, so that was pretty good. I think the season 14 is still ongoing. I don't know how much time there is left or how many more episodes is left in that. Um, but it's always a comfort show. That's what we throw on when there's, you know, we don't know what to watch and it's kind of just like something to have on in the background. Sure. Um, but I think we watched all 14 seasons of it last year. It's one of those where you just kind of leave it on and it just plays. Sure. Um, but you got Christian Shaw in it, which is fantastic. Yeah, she's uh, great. John H. Benjamin does fantastic. Um, yeah, so really great. Uh, it was really interesting because we were watching Adventure Time and I think two of Jake's kids have the same voices as two of the Bob's Burgers kids. Which well, was really weird. Isn't uh, Mabel's one of them, isn't she? Yeah, Mabel's one of them. Yeah. Uh, and then the voice actor for Tina, I don't remember his name. Um, but he's also one of, he's uh, Kim Kil Wan, I think. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot though. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was interesting. Um, but yeah, that's my number five. Check it out if you just need some easy TV. I'm not all about the artsy stuff over here. I like I like normal things, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, well, okay. Uh, yeah, my TV show list. I I'm gonna be very upfront. I think it's going to be unpopular. The way that I ranked things. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be a little crazy. In fact, I just changed one of them as you were talking because I forgot that one of them came out. <laughs> and that is this one. I, I I booted what was in number five. I'll talk about it in the honorable mentions category. But uh, my number five is Fiona and Cake. Uh, the Adventure That's my Times. number four. So do we just want to like tackle it at once? We can just tackle it all at once. Yeah. It'll be great. Uh, I don't think, yeah, this was one that we like never officially like talked about. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a bullet point. I think we talked about it like a couple weeks ago. Just like, oh, what did you think about it? Because did you watch it? <laughs> it was just like <laughs> a little whatever off the cuff thing. But yeah, very, very good. I mean, we've talked about this before, Adventure Time, one of the like best shows in terms of world building. 
Uh, I think I can confidently say it's the best animated show ever made, but that's me. Uh, I would really have to think about it because there are some <laughs> banger animated there are shows some out there. Shows. But I mean, Adventure Time's definitely top three, maybe top two, maybe top one. I don't know. I would have to think about it. Uh, I think here, because here's the thing, because I think regular show could like be Adventure Time if the last season of regular show didn't exist. If the last two seasons of regular show nailed it, then it, yeah, it'd be a conversation. It, it would be like genuinely like, yeah. okay. Too they didn't have the character depth or world building. Like no. that, they were a little bit behind on it. Well, I mean, it's just different. It's like, uh, it different, it's like a yeah. serial show, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, Adventure Time is kind of too, but there's a, there's definitely Adventure marks. Time just kind of turned into everything and it just kind of worked. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Fiona and Cake by itself, I mean, really, really solid as like a piece of the Adventure Time puzzle. It's nice to see stuff that's post Adventure Time finale that isn't just like one little episode of Dissident Worlds or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't know how to feel about. Fiona and Kate getting a second season. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing where I'm a little iffy about, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's some like, there's some examples of like a really solid limited series getting another season and having it be really good. But I would say that that is there. (laughs) Those numbers are very small. Yeah. Uh, My opinion, and I'm going to stick to this is like, you can do more adventure time mini series, but you don't need to do the same mini series because the world building is so good. You could go to anywhere and people will be interested. Yeah. I mean, that's what was so great about distant worlds Mm -hmm. was that it was like every episode was a new story, a self-contained little story, a little hour, hour and a half, a little adventure time movie. It was great, uh, which I think they should go back to. Like I thought that was the production really cool. Quality of it too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were beautiful. Um, not to say that Fiona and Cake was bad. The animation in that was really good. It was really good too. Uh, when when you know Max decides to make animated shows instead of canceling them all, they look really good. <laughs> they do. Cartoon Network still puts out good stuff every once in a while. Yeah. The golden era is over, but it's still, there's, there's still some pumping out. Yeah. But I, think I just wish close enough existed still. I do too. I do too. I don't know if there's even box sets of that. Is it? I don't, I, I don't want to say it's lost media because not yet. Someone definitely has rips of it. 10, somewhere. 15 years. Maybe <laughs> it's definitely sitting on a Google drive somewhere. Yeah. You can just find a link on Twitter somewhere where it's like the devil and the Jesus photo and the devil's like, my children will just wait until it's available on Max. And then Jesus just has a Google Drive link. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Exactly. <laughs> I think it's acceptable for this show because the streaming service uh, taketh. So you should giveth. Yes, I think to so. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the best parts about the show is like they gave it the higher rating where they can have language and blood, mm-hmm. but they did not overuse it, which is something yes. that happens way too much. <laughs> oh, we have an adult rating? Well, now let's just have them say fuck all the time. Yeah. 
That's the joke. The joke is that animated characters are saying fuck and saying they want to have sex. Isn't that funny? It's so silly. Sausage Party is my favorite film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, this was a really great balance um, where, yeah, they do. There are moments of violence and blood, but like it's very it's very, it's used very sparingly. Like the one that I can really think of is in the Finn episode where he smashes a bear's head in or something. I don't like, like, okay, I remember that. But like, other than that, I can't really think of any major examples of major gore. Not that the Finn one was gory, but no, but I think it was the most extreme. Yeah. I think that was purposeful though. It's weird seeing like, cause in the regular show, uh, regular show. Uh, there's like, I mean, that's what they do is they go out and like kill or hurt or whatever they do. And yep. then in this, but you don't really see anything and it's candy. And then right. in this, it's like, oh, you see Finn just like absolutely <laughs> demolish a bear and he like does not feel anything about it. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, this is weird. Everything that was implied in the original show yeah, is allowed just to just it. be there. Uh, which I think is hilarious. I think like mm-hmm. one of the animators in regular show was like, yeah, we were allowed to kill anybody, but we just had to make sure they exploded after. <laughs> it's like, you can I just, do. yeah, <laughs> you can just throw someone off a bridge, but as long as they just randomly explode when they hit the <laughs> the ground, then it's all good. That's fine. That's one of my favorite just animation bits in general is when just people just explode. (laughs) For no reason. SpongeBob did it a lot in the early seasons, too. It did. Yeah. And and then they'd just be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, both of those are good shows. Um, Some of the best. Yeah. I'll watch Fiona and Cake, too. This was a pretty successful Mm -hmm. experiment, I would say. So. I trust. I'm just a little skeptical. Yeah, me too. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I didn't know if this series was going to be good, and it turned I out didn't. really good. So, yeah, I was like, oh, I was I was yeah. kind of disappointed when they announced it. I'm like, ah, I know, really? Like those are my least favorite episodes of the original show, but they worked with it though. They worked, and and I I was glad that, and I don't know, I don't really remember the Fiona and Cake uh, episodes of the show, but I just like, I'm like, wait, wasn't like Cake like just like a stereotypical sassy black lady in those episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they kind of like toned that down in the show. It's the same voice actor, but she's not yeah. doing like the stereotypical performance. Yeah. They gave him real dimension, which is, yeah. I mean, you have to do that. But I mean, having watched the the actual series before this, I think I wanted to make it a point to like rewatch the whole thing before we watched it. Cause otherwise she would not really understand what's going on. Sure. Uh, and the later Fiona and Cake episodes, they were definitely laying out, like, the possibility of this being a thing. Um, True. I think in the episode titled Fiona and Cake in the last season, they, like, do the whole ray from Ice King's head showing that, like, he, you know, can see the actual Fiona and Cake or whatever. Yeah. The, the thing that they explained at the beginning of the series. Um, so they, they had a genuine setup there, but it wasn't like a... It wasn't like a Marvel thing where it's like, you know, they're setting it up. It's like a little interesting plot detail where you can like, oh, now we know why Fiona and Cake exists in his head and his really messed up crown head. Mm -hmm. Um, And but I mean, making an actual series out of it was just the, you know, icing on the cake, if you will. And I will. 
That's Absolutely. the ice king on the cake. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to top that. Man, that's better than anything BuzzFeed <laughs> can come up with for any of their <laughs> quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh right. since you did number your number four, four i'll do yeah. my number four which is probably going to be your number one or up there i don't know uh oh so sorry in advance but succession season four is my number four i didn't intend to match the well you lined up the numbers so i can't be too mad at you okay well you might be mad at me when you see what's directly above it but I don't probably, care. but that's fine. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we definitely talked about succession. I feel like we spent like a majority of an episode back when I watched it in yeah. August or I think it was around there. I was definitely late, but we eventually got to it and my feelings have not changed. I still think that succession on the whole is one of the the best TV shows of all time, or at least of the ones that I have seen, which is not a whole lot, but enough. We've made our way through like a top TV list, though. Yeah, so we, we've gotten somewhere. We need to. I want to finish The Sopranos next year in some shape or form. <laughs> what do you mean in some shape or form? You want to watch it upside down? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna turn your TV upside down. Sit sideways. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, I do kind of want to finish that too. Um, I've been missing Tony. I do love Tony. I love Carmilla. I saw a clip from 30 Rock the other day and she was in it and she wasn't doing an Italian accent. I'm like, what is this? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I have <laughs> my uh, Max profile picture as Christopher and I laugh every time <laughs> I see it. <laughs> that's good i got my my max profile picture i'm very proud because i think they removed it but i got legacied oh. into it Ooh. my my profile picture is tim heidecker from oh. tim and eric and i think they removed that why would they do that i don't know i don't know so my it's it's an old icon but i i'm gonna i can't change it now <laughs> so uh yeah but succession very good. I'm sure you're going to talk about it later. I definitely will. Um, but I think the other shows that I have higher, because I want to justify it being number four and not higher, because I think that, I think if I was rating in terms of like quality, I would say this is number two. But in terms mm -hmm. of like this show stresses me out and it makes me angry. And so like, not generally one that like I have no desire to rewatch <laughs> succession right now. Um, I mean, I, I only watched it like four or five months ago, but I'm still like, oh, man, do I really want to go through that again? Um, which is kind of similar to like bear season one or, or mm -hmm. even some of like breaking bad, where it's like, oh man, some of those episodes can be really intense. Uh, Succession is like always stressful, and there's and and yeah. everybody sucks. There's like no relatability at all, um, and, which you know, it doesn't need to. But in terms That's of the like, point, but yeah, it's the it's, point. It's hard to connect to initially if you're not. It's, it's for a certain kind of person. <laughs> sure. No, and I, and I am that 
kind of person, but yeah. like if I'm I'm looking at the the shows I have above this, and I would rather rewatch all of gotcha. them instead of this one because I'm like this is so stressful, and just yeah. thinking about it right now, I'm like oh, just like this wave of dread is creeping over me. Um, but that being said, it is maybe <laughs> I. I feel like even saying it's the second best show that came out this year is such a slap in the face because like <laughs> just because of how quality it is. But man, I don't know. It's really good, but I'll let you talk about it later. Yee. All right. Number three is over here. Yes. Uh, my number three, I was debating between this and Fiona and Cake. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I had The Last of Us at number three. Okay. Um, I don't know how much there is to say about it. It's a good adaptation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like it had its cultural moment. It's a little bit past now. I know season True. two is going to be coming out in two years, probably. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> we'll the, the strikes kind of delayed everything. It did a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that was a big thing that happened this year. Yeah. Um, but this was pretty good. I, I enjoyed watching this on a weekly basis when, as they were coming out. Um, I feel like a lot of shows don't do that model anymore. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good adaptation. I do love the game. I think I like the storyline a lot. I think the, the show added a lot of depth to those certain moments that you can't portray well in a video game. Yes. Um, like the episode four, uh, whatever, what's his face? Uh, Bill. Bill. Yes. Uh, that episode's fantastic. I know yep. everybody was going crazy over that one. It, uh, yeah. That was great. That was like out of nowhere, just boom, random. Uh, didn't expect to spend a whole episode on it, and it's like the best episode of the, the season probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's really good. I don't have a lot to say about it, though. It's a faithful adaptation that takes liberties when it needs to, and it does it well. Um it shot really well. I really like the way that they portrayed the zombies. The, the, the clickers look fantastic. Yes. Um, and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, really good. Uh, check it out if you haven't yet. <laughs> Everybody's um, seen it. I feel like everybody's seen it at this point. Um, yeah. But just putting it out there. I don't know. I think this is the one I'd like least likely go back to out of everything on this list. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because I feel like I've played the game so many times, and I've watched this season once, and I think I've gotten everything I can out of it. Sure. Sure. I would but go back and it is rewatch good. episodes. Yes, I would watch episode four again. I don't know why yes. I'd do that to myself, but I would. It's really good. Man, it is. Uh, I'm probably, I'm going to talk about it later, but okay. it is probably my favorite episode of television this year. Gotcha. So I would Respect. go back and rewatch it. Uh, but... Yeah, I'll talk about it a little later. Um, my number three, I just want to say I'm sorry to everybody <laughs> for putting this above succession. Um, my number three is I Think You Should Leave Season 3. Oh, my God. This is a phenomenal Respect show. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you have not seen I Think You Should Leave, what are you doing to yourself? It is one of the funniest sketch comedy shows I've ever seen. It, it, it Call is it new age, Tim and Eric. It is. It's new age, <laughs> Tim and Eric. Yeah. I originally, I would say like the approachable Tim and Eric would be the Eric Andre show, but mm. even that can be a little 
too far for most people. I would say this is the more approachable yeah. Tim and Eric. Uh, and Tim's in, I think, two or three episodes like in total. Um, and his sketches are always great. Um, but I think originally when I first watched this season, I was like, man, that was kind of disappointing. Like I really love season one and two. I go back to those all the time. Like those are just always on in the background because I love this show so much. Um, and when this season came out, like that was kind of disappointing, but then I went back to it and holy moly, I think the driving crooner is maybe one of my favorite sketches of all time. That is, that is unironically, I don't know how you even come up with that where it's like the, the premise of the sketch is like it, it starts off and it's at like an office and a bunch of coworkers are just like working and then their manager comes in and says, Hey, one of your coworkers was involved in a drunk driving accident last night. And Tim Robinson's like, Hey, if anyone is in that position, just give me a call anytime I'm available. And so then it cuts and one of them is out the next night and he's like, Oh, I'm drunk. And so he calls up Tim Robinson and Tim Robinson picks him up. But then on the side of the window, Tim Robinson has like a decal of a fedora and a cigar. And he's like, he just goes around and like <laughs> drives next to people and acts like he's smoking a cigar, like an old 1920s jazz crooner. And I'm like, what, how do you even come up with this? It is the <laughs> dumbest thing I have ever seen in my whole life, but it is, <laughs> it is the funniest thing because then like, he gets really mad when people try to like drive faster so they can tell that it isn't a real cigar. And there's like frat guys that pull up and threaten to kill him. They just hate the driving crooner so much. And I'm like, this was a sketch about drunk driving. And now it's about something completely different. It is like the freshest take I have ever seen in sketch comedy. So man, like it, seriously, if you have not seen this show, like, check it out it is it is so good uh, i love a good sketch comedy show i mean tim and eric is probably one of my favorite shows of all time i feel like that is a, like weird... a lot of zoomers need to go watch tim and eric because i feel like it's pretty spot on for the way humor has evolved for this generation it is it is and you know it's really cool seeing like tim and eric be like the grandfathers of like or not even the grandfathers but just like seeing them like co-sign a bunch of like young comedians in yeah. the same way that like Bob Odenkirk and David Cross did that for them. Like, it's cool to see them be like these architects of what comedy is like now, especially like this zoomer new age post irony, like wave that we're in right now. Uh, like that was that is straight up Tim and Eric. All of those like fake commercials and just mm -hmm. everything, <laughs> the fake game shows. There's so much in that Tim and Eric awesome show that is so good. And even Beef House, Beef House is one I of the best Beef shows House. of all time. <laughs> I'm still sad that Beef House isn't coming back. I'm sad that it's not on Max. That one was another that one too. that's just I'd gone. I'd love to rewatch Beef House. I would watch Beef House every day. <laughs> Beef House is one of the best shows. Uh, but yeah, so really cool. It's nice to see like an up and coming comedic talent 
that is just genuinely so creative and talented at what he does. And it really just seems that like Netflix is just like, here you go. Here's a bunch of money and you can just like make whatever you want. And like, that is so cool to see. Not that like, I'm not going to praise Netflix as like a company, but it is cool to see them supporting. (laughs) Not that he's like something, something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, and I'm, he's not like a complete underground guy. He was on SNL, but I don't think anyone remembers him. He was barely on it because, like, I don't think the writers really knew. You're not what to supposed do with to be him. funny on SNL. Well, he, yeah. he broke the golden rule. It's weird. I've seen like clips of him on SNL, and like he would make like the hosts feel weird just because like they didn't know what he That's was fantastic. doing. <laughs> like, okay, he, he was just like ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very good show. If you are curious and you're like, what is the show even about? Check out the like prank episode or the prank <laughs> sketch where he turns into an old man. That's probably the, my favorite. I think that's on like the first or second episode. <laughs> it's so good. I also love the hot dog one. Oh, that one's <laughs> good. Oh, but yeah, in terms of like the best sketches this season, Driving Crooner, the zip line one is fantastic. Oh yeah, I love that one. <laughs> that one's great. And I also love, um, I think it's the last sketch of the last episode where it's like Frankenstein's chick. This <laughs> You'll know if you know, I'm not going to go through that one because that one's, that one's a long one. But yeah. I don't know. I would, I rather watch, I think you should leave than succession. I'm sorry. Succession is like better. That should than, be the normal person's answer. Well, succession is better than I think you should leave, but this is a list of what I liked and I like it's, this show it's, a lot. It's two shows full of talking. It's just different talking, you know? <laughs> yeah. Very different talking. <laughs> well, that's my number three. Epic. Um, my number two is a silly little fun show called Da Bear. Wait, uh, did you do your number three? Oh, is it? Did I? Wait, yeah, I did. You did? Oh, okay, okay. Yep. We're, we're on track. Okay. I'm like, did I? <laughs> I forgot. I already <laughs> forgot about the last of us. Um, but yeah, Da Bear number two, season two. When did yes. the first season come out? Uh, season one came out last year. Okay. I think they were pretty tight turnarounds. Yeah. Uh, the show is fantastic. We finished it uh, like two hours ago. Oh. Um, yeah, I accelerated oh it a little bit because I'm like, I need to put it on my list. Um, oh, boy. I knew it was going to be on my list by the time I watched like the first two episodes. But <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm excited watched, to talk about it now. Yeah. I think we watched like the first four or five and then we dropped it for a while because mm-hmm. we went on a crazy Twin Peaks binger, which Naturally. nobody should do. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we returned to it, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, finished season one, dove right into season two. Uh, I don't know. I love season one. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, season two is also great, but I feel like season one has, like, a classic TV season mm. feel to it. Um, I, I love the, I think it was, like, episode seven, where it was, like, so intense and close quartered for 20 minutes and it feels like the episode just goes by like nothing. Oh, of season um, one? Yes. Yeah, that is like the most intense. Yeah, episode. I'm pretty sure that's the episode that they pitched to get the show. 
Oh, probably. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, like this has like pitch written all over it. A lot of like amazing. long shots too, mm-hmm. where it is there's like five, ten minute shots. It is crazy what they yep. do in it's that. It's all episode. long shots, but it's all close ups. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to audio design, this show has the best audio design Ooh. I've heard in a long time. Yeah. Um just getting the atmosphere and the chaos of it through the different audio channels as you're watching it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and even hearing like the first episode, you hear how the kitchen reacts and you hear just the, the chaos of it mm-hmm. compared to the last episode of the, the new season. You see like right. how calm and clear the audio channels are. It's like really, really, really cool. Um, yeah. I think just like shot layout and like even soundtrack audio, it, it's all fantastic. Um, I think the characters is my favorite point too, because like, mm-hmm. I mean, I just watched Twin Peaks where, like, the whole point is, like, we're making three-dimensional characters now. Right. um, But still kind of having a play on the, you know, one-dimensional character. Mm -hmm. And then you go into this where it's, like, these could be real people. Oh, um, yeah. But they don't make it boring. Of course, they have story beats that are still TV-ish, but they react like regular people would. My favorite is, like, the professional chefs and everything. Yeah. like being really tough and scary, but also still having a soul and being actual people. I feel like so many TV shows portray like these expert chefs as just like iron stone faced kind of like very serious people. Yeah. Um, so it kind of like subverts those expectations in a really, really good way because like I was seeing myself in a lot of this show having gone through art school. It's mm-hmm. the same kind of mentality when it comes to cooking or when it comes to design or when it comes to any creativity. You live and breathe that stuff for a particular point in your life, and it is miserable. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you meet these people that are like incredible in their field. They're tough, but they have really good hearts, and they just turn out to be really, really, really amazing characters. Yeah. Um, so I think the way they portrayed that was just like perfect, spot on. Um, yeah, this show is fantastic. I feel like most people have seen it at this point. I was a little late to it, actually. Yeah. Um, we take our time with our TV shows. We don't like to, like, get into it too much, especially with, like, a show as intense as this. We'll, like, watch one, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, the Christmas episode is oh. insanity. <laughs> oh, I did not know that episode was an hour long when I clicked on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is still going. And it's getting just more and more and more insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. We also watched that, like, three days ago. And Christmas is next week. And I'm like, this, I don't want to watch this right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to hit a little too close to home for yeah. some people. Uh, um, yeah. I wish the bear was number two because then we could have talked about it at the same time. But Exactly. Unfortunately, the bear is not number two, which I guess does spoil exactly where it I is. I already knew it was going to be up there. So it's yeah. Fine. Um, yeah. My number two is The Last of Us. Um, this one was the one that I like. I just enjoyed watching it weekly. Like, it was just fun to mm-hmm. do that. Um, <laughs> which is so lame. Uh, but, you know. Obviously, big fan of the game. We did a whole episode by episode breakthrough every single week as we were watching That was watching fantastic. It. I wish shows would do that more. Yeah. I mean, we could do that with every new Marvel or Star Wars show. Yeah, but that's not good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, 
Yeah, I will say there are two Star Wars shows that came out this this year, and neither of them are even in the honorable mentions. Great. So, <laughs> just gonna throw that out. That's where the quality is this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you already talked about it. Production design off the hook for this mm-hmm. show, especially creatures. Uh, some of the best practical monster effects I have seen. Uh, there is obviously some CGI in there, but like the bloaters a real suit. Like <laughs> I had to build that. And that's, that's crazy. Um, I love that. Like we're in the stage of prosthetics where like the old horror movies of the seventies that I love, like the thing or something, they have great, practical effects too but there's that disconnect where it's like okay well none of this is real like obviously like these fake heads don't look <laughs> real at all um but now we're at a place where everything looks believable and it's so refined to the point where it's just seamless and it's like is this cgi and it's like no this is like someone's in a suit and that's that's amazing and that's something that i think there are people that talk about that aspect of this show, but I don't see it praised enough because it is, <laughs> it is like a breakthrough. Um, and that's what you get when you have that HBO money. So just phenomenal. Um, like you said, I loved how they took different story aspects of the game and really made it, um, both like they they obviously had to change some stuff for the show, but they didn't do it in like a lame way. Whereas like, oh, well, the bill thing, that could have just been like a five minute thing where Joel and Ellie roll up, they grab a shotgun and leave. They grab a car and head out. And that whole section just could have been cut. But it's like, no, we're just going to throw in this post-apocalyptic gay love story and have that just be the whole episode. It's like, okay, I love that. It really felt like the first part of the season was was just taking all of the like kind of lamer aspects of the game story and then just expanding on them and then just really fleshing them out in a way that you can't do in a video game, which is great. So like, I guess both vice versa, if you've played the game and you haven't seen the show and if you've seen the show and you haven't played the game, I don't think there are substitutions for each other. Like there's definitely aspects of both that you're missing from just consuming one of them um and i think that this show stands on its own as being just a phenomenal zombie show and i think i saw i think i saw that frank darabont is going to be directing some of the episodes of season two which Big if the true. Walking Dead season two, uh, finally Frank Darabont version. Frank Darabont, yeah. I mean, I obviously know him as the Green Mile Shawshank Redemption guy, but yeah, I mean Shawshank's fantastic. Oh yeah, but it's cool that like these days he's just gone back to horror. That's how he started. He did like The Mist, and did he do the remake of The Blob? I think he did the remake of The Blob. But that's how he got his start. And then he started doing these Stephen King adaptations. And then he's like, eh, I'm just going to go back to horror. And that's what he's doing now. That's really cool. I like that. So, yeah. When season two eventually comes out, we'll probably do an episode by episode breakdown again. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. 
I'm worried for the second season, but I think it'll be fine, hopefully. Yeah. I just pray whoever gets cast as Abby, like, has national security level, uh, you know, on her at all time. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll see because, you know, I don't think that the TV crowd is going to be as angry no, when yeah, Joel dies. Yeah. Um, and also, well... It's going to be interesting because I've seen a lot of people that like watch TV and don't play games that like didn't know the story at all. And like mm-hmm. some didn't even know it was a game, which I think is. No, yeah. Funny. I mean, a lot of people at work that I talked to like did not play the game, but they were all on the TV show. I'm like, yeah, it's always interesting it's cool. to like get a different perspective because I never know like how much outreach these things actually hit. But I feel like this was HBO's big thing for the year besides. It was. You know, the wrap of Succession. Sure. I guess you had Barry in there, too. But this was their big flagship thing yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, I think this was their biggest show in terms of, mm-hmm. like, audience. Everybody was talking about it. Yep. There Which was, hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> no. No. Not. I don't I don't even know the last time that happened. Game of Thrones? <laughs> Maybe. That last season. Everyone was just talking about how bad it was. Stranger Things, kind of. Yeah, maybe I feel like I just saw something about Stranger. Th- Wait, was Stranger was Frank Darabont coming in for the last season of Stranger Things? That might have been where I saw that. Oh, maybe. I know he's coming back. It's either The Last oh, of Us or Stranger Things, and those are completely different. <laughs> but now that you say that, I think it might have been Stranger Things. So I retract the statement that I just said that he was going to be in The Last of Us. So sorry about that. Well, he wasn't going to be in Stranger Things either. Whatever. But, yeah. Whatever. Do you have any honorable mentions before we get to number one? I don't know if I do. I kind of had mentioned what else I watched this year. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think those are the big ones we covered. We watch a lot of stupid TV, but it's, like, all, like, you know, stuff you'd put on in a hotel room when you're bored. So. Sure. Nothing worth mentioning. <laughs> okay. Well, I have I have three honorable mentions. Um, one of them is an honorable mention because I haven't finished it yet. Uh, but I do want to honorably mention uh, Kunk on Earth. I think that's oh, how you I pronounce like that. That, that, yeah, is a, that is a great uh, – it's like a parody of a uh, history documentary on Netflix. Uh, this is one – Kind of like Assassin's Creed Mirage, where I would just come over to my girlfriend's place and she would be watching it. Then I would sit down and watch, like... Women be loving Kunk on Earth, that's all I'm saying. Hey, it's good. <laughs> she, was, she was watching it, and I was, like, sat down, and then I started watching it, and then we just started... <laughs> we just watched the whole thing. So, I don't know. I haven't seen, like, the first episode or whatever, but, like, man, it is it is funny. And I, I just... You know, it, it it isn't quite as good as Succession, but uh, it's still funny. Uh, my second honorable mention is uh, Shrinking. That is uh, an Apple TV show that has Haroldson Ford in it and the guy from the Muppet movie, Jason Let's Segel. Go. <laughs> uh, oh, I was going watch one. <laughs> uh, no, not Jim Henson. He's dead. Um, yeah. Or Sheldon Cooper. Or Sheldon. No, it's not Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> um, I think I talked about it 
I think I watched it like in May or June or something. It's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's a, I don't know. I don't know really how to describe it because I enjoyed it a lot in the same way that I like Ted Lasso, where it's like the most comfort TV of comfort TV, where it's like everybody starts off really broken, but then over the course of the season, they learn to overcome their issues and grow together as people and have a community. And, you know, I'm usually such a sucker for that. Uh, but I'm like, eh, eh, I really like Harrison Ford in it. Like, he's great, obviously. Uh, it's nice to see Harrison Ford in something that isn't, let's bring back Harrison Ford because he was good in the 70s. Um, he must hate that. You know, he, I think he does for most of them, except when he was doing Indiana Jones, he seemed to really <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> but also that was just like people were like, hey, do you think that if Indiana Jones was alive today, he would hate the Nazis that exist in real life? And then Harrison Ford's like, yeah, he'd probably punch them all in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd probably be like, I don't know. I didn't rate the character. <laughs> oh, that's true. I don't know why I said, yeah, in the Harrison Ford voice, like, push a T. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's his new thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, it's pretty solid. I mean, if you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, why not? It's pretty good. I think Harrison. Apple TV has a lot of great shows, but they do not like market them at all. No, no, they do not, which is surprising. I, you would think like this is Harrison Ford's first TV show. Mm -hmm. He has been in movies his entire acting career, <laughs> but he's like, I'm bored. I want to do a TV show. I guess I'll do it for that Muppet fella. Uh, I don't know. He Harrison, not Jim Henson. <laughs> Harrison Ford would not say fella. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh and yeah like i didn't see any advertising like nobody was talking about it like apple tv just seems to be they put stuff out and then nobody talks about it unless it's ted lasso or severance mm -hmm. yeah severance i need to, i do need to watch severance yeah me too that one had like a grimy little hands on an apple tv <laughs> yeah i thought i saw that apple tv was merging with another streaming service I think it is yeah i'm not sure which one though We'll see. Uh, but then my third honorable mention, it's only an honorable mention because I haven't finished it yet. It is the Scott Pilgrim anime. Um, yeah. I went in with the lowest of expectations. Like, okay, I, I am a, I'm a pretty big fan of the Scott Pilgrim, the Edgar Wright movie. Uh, and I'm also, I, I've read the whole manga and they're pretty good. Like, I mean, I think I like the graphic novel more than I like the movie. I think the third act of the movie kind of fumbles. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, maybe. You know, Brian Lee O'Malley, the author of the books, is, like, heavily involved in this anime version. Well, maybe it'll just take all of the, the problems that I have with the Edgar Wright movie and clean it up a little bit and it'll be just a really solid adaptation. I mean, the cast is back. Everybody in the movie is perfectly cast. So I'm like, okay, well, perfect. I'll check it out. And after the first episode, it is completely different than either version of the Scott Pilgrim, um, either the book or the movie. Um, 
because I don't know if this is a spoiler. It is somewhat recent, so I'll give a little bit of a spoiler uh, warning, I guess. Because in the first episode, Scott goes up against um, Matthew Patel, the first evil ex, and he dies. (laughs) 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 And so the rest of the show, presumably, I haven't finished it yet, it is Ramona, and she's just like, She's trying to track down, like, she she thinks that, like, Scott is still alive. And so she's trying to track down where, or who could have, like, took Scott. And meanwhile, Matthew Patel has, like, overthrown the League of Evil Exes. And now he's the leader. And Gideon is, like, a sniveling worm now. And it's just, like, everything is, like, flipped on its head. And it's really, really cool just seeing, because I'm such a big fan of these characters. They're just over the top and fun. And so seeing them in like a whole different way, like Kim, the drummer is like completely like fleshed out knives, like the relationship between Scott and knives is, uh, you know, suitably creepy, (laughs) which I feel like the movie doesn't do a really good job of showing. Like the movie is like, Oh, it's, they're kind of cute. And I'm like, she's 17. And Scott's yeah. in his early 20s. Like, in the book, that is explicitly gross. Like, Scott Pilgrim in the book is not a good person at all. There's a lot of, like, a lot of the the plot of the book isn't just, like, Scott fighting the exes to get to Ramona. It is, like, Ramona and Scott, they are constantly fighting and having problems because Scott sucks. But he's, like... I'm just going to keep fighting her exes because I guess I want to be with her because she's hot. And I was like, it's completely different than the movie and the show. So I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm like three episodes in. I was watching it with my girlfriend and she sucks to watch TV shows with. I'm probably going to go and watch, uh, watch it by myself. But yeah, if you are like me and we're like, eh, whatever, it's a anime adaptation of the movie, probably. Check it out, because it is different. So, there you go. That is my honorable mentions. Great. Number one? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that's, that's where uh, we're at. Uh, uh, succession. <laughs> Why'd you say it like Obama? Oh, uh, let me be clear. <laughs> let me be clear. <laughs> succession uh, season four so is my I'm show of the year. Season four. I thought it was really uh, thoughtful. <laughs> um, man, I I feel like when this started coming out, I would, like didn't start watching it until like the fourth week, and then I'm like, all right, I need to get into this thing before like something crazy happens, and then I get it spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was weekly watching this thing, and it was a, a ride and a half. Um, it was a little difficult to get into because it picks up right where season three left off. And I didn't watch season like when, when did season three come out? Like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. They did not hold your hand getting into it at all. Um, but eventually the, the pieces kind of get picked up a little bit and then, uh Oh, the big thing happens. Spoilers. Uh, the big guy dies. Yeah. Um, and then chaos ensues in what might be the best run of TV (laughs) episodes I've seen in a long time. I feel like since that episode, um, 
like onward has just been like perfection after perfection. Um, everybody in the show sucks like yes. big time. Uh, and I think that's one of the best qualities about it. Um, I don't know. It's so smart and it's commentary and it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It's very casual, but like if you're looking for it, you find it. Um, the characters are so, so well, well uh, performed. I love the way that they shoot the show where they basically just torture people into staying in the character until they get the good shot. Um, I think like having cameras rolling at all times is torturous, but like it produces some fantastic stuff because these people genuinely like break in this season. Um, just the, the constant like screaming matches and all of this is insane. The election episode was one of my favorites, maybe the, my favorite episode of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, just showing how these major news networks like uh, kind of get their strings pulled by tons of these different, um, you know, think tanks and gigantic merger media groups like they're in and all of this like politics that comes with uh, election night. And just like all the shady stuff that happens in this episode um, is incredible. And I love like you have Roman who's like a little kid who's like, this is my guy. And then (laughs) the other two being like, what's going to be best for our business? Like how it would happen in the real world. Um, And they're like making, you know, backhand deals and everything all while this is going on. Uh, And Tom's like sliming his way through all of this like horribly. I don't know. It's it is hectic and it's crazy, but it's so on point. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about because there is so much to talk about with this show. Um, it, it's just so spot on. Like I hate these characters so much. There's not like a single character where I'm like, that's I like that character. I relate to that. <laughs> Greg. Um, Greg turned into a weird sex pest. Yeah, that's in true. the fourth season. They they uh, did him dirty, which I mean, I feel like uh, you don't get consequences for these people at the end of the show either. It doesn't sugarcoat anything, which is really cool. Um, there's no real like happy ending for a lot of them, and we don't get a lot of like satisfaction in a lot of their downfalls, which is you know you can take it both ways. I I, I like it personally because I feel like that's not seen you know as much in TV. It's like it goes down realistically to the point where it's like, this is really weird, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I really like it. It's very, very, it gets me, it gets my wheels turning a lot. Um, I don't know. I love the whole, like, uh, you have this like super ultra right wing, like horrible person that they're trying to merge with and he's not trustworthy and he pulls out and goes back in and it's like shivs completely off of him until like she realizes that like, he could, she could go work for him, and then like, her good old liberal conscience like immediately falls to the fascist uh, yeah. because of capital and all these like deals and this power grabbing that's going on constantly throughout this whole series. Um, I don't know a lot of these just the internal politics and like it's a show where everybody talks very intensely to each other, but it's really good if you get into it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is one of these like kind of legacy style TV shows where I've really gotten into. Um, like I love The Wire and stuff like that, but I feel like this is more my speed when it comes to that. Um, I don't know. The show's commentary is just great. Uh, the funeral episode was crazy. Um, yeah. I don't know. The whole finale was insane. It's just like 
it's hard to even talk about a lot of these because you kind of have to be like in it at the moment to talk about. I'm a little fuzzy because it's been like, you know, four or five months. Um, but yeah, amazing, fantastic. I would say one of the best TV shows ever. Um, yes. Yeah. I would say so. Kieran Culkin did fantastic. Uh, He's the best. I don't know. Kendall throughout this whole season, like, man, the actor that plays him is... Jeremy Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. It's kind of crazy. He's, like, not been in a whole lot else. I know. I was like that for a lot of these people. I know Shiv's getting a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I will always just see her as Shiv, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because she is the exact perfect person to play that character. <laughs> well, and Karen Culkin. Everything else I've seen yeah. him in, he's like yeah. weird, quirky guy. And like he's that like to the nth degree in succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Feel- I, I, I do want to do a rewatch of this show because I want to like have those seasons hit again because sure. so much happens in that show and so much has happened. It's hard to remember like the impact of all of it and what it was like at that time. Like he like blew up a space shuttle, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. He like blew up a first rocket. or second season. Kendall yeah. killed a kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it yeah. was hard cause we watched the first three seasons back to back and then waited mm-hmm. two years and then watched the last one. So right. yeah, it would be interesting to watch the whole thing as one cause it is very much like made like that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I, I forgot about the fourth kid too. Uh, what's his face? Um, but the guy from Ferris, Ferris Bueller? I think so. Connor? The, yeah, Connor. <laughs> I don't know why I'm remembering these names. I'm usually terrible at I that. I know. I completely forgot about him. He had like a, a decently, like, you know, well fleshed out plot line in this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just love the whole, like, they even, like, offered him as, like, a high-ranking position in somewhere like Estonia or something. I'm like, that's exactly how this works in real life, and they're just, like, saying this on TV. It's kind yeah. of insane, like, how realistic and close you can get with these shows now, um, despite these multi-billion dollar conglomerates, like, owning the rights to these things. It's kind of crazy how they'll let you, like, put that out, but, like, as long as you don't connect the dots with everything, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, this is a TV show, guys. <laughs> Nothing happens here. <laughs> it's just funny like a, a multi like a billion dollar like media conglomerate that the show surrounds and then it's like this is where it gets hosted it's yeah. very self-referential it's it's funny yeah it, it isn't like hbo is this little scappy independent like, no yeah studio anymore now it's owned by warner Brothers. i mean look at the merger it just did yeah <laughs> and it's on this like shitty app that was mm-hmm. a rebrand of its own streaming service to be more <laughs> marketable to more people. And yep. now it's next to HGTV shows and TLC shows. It's like, all right. Yeah. I think it just <laughs> speaks to the moment because like everything is getting monopolized. Uh, yeah. And I mean, we all knew it was going to happen. It's, this is, how it works as we get more and more it's going to keep happening it's going to monopolize more and more of every aspect that touches our lives um and you just see like these they market it as like a nepo baby season because that was kind of the hot topic word i think it's really shallow if you just view it as that it's so much more than that um but you get these nepo babies in charge of this gigantic corporation and they have no interest in making it better except like just doing these i love the 
you know, kind of they self-referentiate like other billionaires. You have like the Peter Thiel, Elon Musk type style where Kendall mm. does this whole like you're going to live forever here type like garbage. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's just like so funny in like a horribly dark way. Um, yeah. I could go out about the show forever, but it, it's it's phenomenal. Um, definitely like very heady. I feel like uh the whole show is in like corporate speak almost. And they don't explain any of that speak to you. You kind of just have to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that. I don't like things to hold my hand. Um, like at all. And I I think the show does like a phenomenal job of just getting its point across without having to do any of that. Um, so fantastic. Amazing. That's my number one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, uh, it it probably should have been my number one, but, you know, you know me. I suck. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my number one is the bear. It is easily my my favorite show of the year. Um, man, for all the reasons you said and more, like the sound design is phenomenal. Also, food has never looked so good on mm-hmm. camera. All of the cooking sections of the show are phenomenal it's like i'm watching like a uh, like i don't know like a food channel show but like better it is like mm-hmm. a anthony bourdain documentary filming like local people uh cooking food and it is like oh it looks so good and also easily 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 my favorite performances of the year i mean richie that episode where he learns, uh, it's like right after the Christmas episode. Yes. Episode seven. Yeah, that was so good. Wow. Like, I was already in 1,000 times after that Christmas episode. I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> I can't believe they just did that. It's crazy. Um, and then they follow that up with, like, an equal. In my opinion, that, that mm-hmm. la- uh, next episode is its own little self-contained, like, short film. It is great, where you can see, like, there's so much depth to Richie's character that has been built up over, like, this season and a half, and we finally get to see that pay off. And it makes sense, and it plays to the strengths that we've seen through the whole, the rest of the show. And now we get to see him flourish and be his full potential, and it is absolutely great um and also like you said kind of going along with it feeling real this season has been one of my favorite exchanges between two characters and it's in the last episode of the season and carmy is locked in the fridge it's the grand opening of his restaurant and it is he's just locked in this fridge and he has to spend his big night just in this fridge because the handle, which has been, he didn't people, call the fridge. He guy. didn't call the fridge guy. People, he, you know, that was on his radar, but he just didn't do it. And this is preventable. And this is all his fault that he's stuck in this fridge and he's beating himself up. And throughout this whole season, it's kind of like that shrinking thing where it's all these people and they all have these different problems. And over the course of the season, they all learn to better themselves and become their own community. But at this point, this is where it all falls apart. 
because Carmi's freaking out. He's having a panic attack in this fridge because this was supposed to be like, you know, one of the most important days of his life. And he is like all the way on the bottom. He was the lowest he could possibly be. And Richie is trying to console him. And throughout this whole show, Richie is very emotionally detached. It is like obvious that he cares about the people in his life, but it is very, very hard for him to say nice things. He is always like yelling and like complaining and, you know, ordering people around. But it's in this moment he's trying to console Carmi and he says, I love you. You know that? And Carmi snaps and like says, like, fuck you, I hate you. And at that moment, you see Richie turn and is like one of my favorite. Like, it's so small. It's the smallest little performance that he does where you can see, like, he has this desperation and it's like, Richie's, like, trying. He's trying so hard to get Carmi, do I, like, to calm down and, like, he's like, okay, well, I'm pulling out all the stops. Like, this is, like, I never, ever say this, but he needs to know how much he means to me and how much, like, I know that he's suffering right now. I love you, man. Like, I know this sucks and it's because Carmi says like, fuck you. And that's when Richie is like, oh, well, I just did something really hard for you and you just threw it back in my face and you can see that he doesn't have to say a word, even though he does. (laughs) But if he just like didn't say anything after that, you could see it in his face. That moment when Carmi says that, like the entire, like his face just goes flat and he reverts back and he just starts yelling at Carmi and then he leaves and then Carmi's freaking out in the fridge. And it is that moment why I think this show is so phenomenal where the way it's shot, the way it's written and the way it is performed is top tier. This is like easily one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, and, you know, some of that, you know, Christopher Storer is the creator. He wrote... I think most of the episodes, um, but also, oh, frick, who's the Atlanta guy? It's like Hiro Mirai or something. Yeah. He's like producer of a lot of these and there's a lot of like Atlanta influences. I again. That, it's so good. I think it was I like. I was getting some of that because it's yeah. like so realistic, but they do so many like TV tropes, but it's like not in a cheesy way. Yeah. But the bear doesn't slip into surrealism like Atlanta mm-hmm. does. Um, although they did, they do have their moments. I feel like in season one, there was a couple of moments where they were like, Ooh, okay. We're getting a little playful here. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just like little hints, but it isn't like, it doesn't go full on surrealism like Atlanta does. Um, but man, yeah, this is, it's, it's, and that's not even like getting into AO Edibiri. I don't know if that's, I'm pronouncing her name right. She yeah, is she phenomenal. phenomenal. Um, I need to see, I think she was in a comedy this year called Bottoms. I've been hearing great things about it. Um, I need to see that. Um, and Richie was in Andor. <laughs> um, that's interesting. That's the only other thing I've seen him in. But he's great in both. Uh, Jeremy Allen White. I think he is going to start getting, he was, he's in an A24 wrestling movie with Zac Efron. I just saw a trailer for that. That's awesome. Before the boy and the heron, I think for some reason, I don't know, but it is nice to see all these people, 
kind of get their flowers. It's kind of like Succession where like this is, I don't know. I think Succession is more well-known than The Bear. I'm not sure. They're both pretty popular though. Yeah. I feel like those two shows ended up at the top of like everybody's lists for the year. So probably. Yeah. I, I love this show and, and like not even bringing up like the Christmas episode. I think I talked about this when I talked about when this show came out, I think I watched it like a month after it came out. Cause I'm late to everything. Um, but I just love that, like, you can tell in that Christmas episode, it was a bunch of Chicago natives. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to be in that. Like, this is a show about Chicago. And, like, Chicago is such an important part of this show. Um, and it was like, I want to be a part of it. So, like, Bob Odenkirk and John I love Mulaney. how it was all, like, huge actors, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's great. And, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't think she's from Chicago. But... You know, John Mulaney and Bob Odenkirk are, and I mean, John Mulaney is huge and Bob Odenkirk is a nobody, which is the best movie of all time. So yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's just really cool to see like not, and, and I think it's kind of representative of like, not only like it's, it's a universal, but also it feels like the city has like adopted the show where it's like these big name people from the city are like, I want to be a part of it. Cause it is like so entwined with the identity of the show is this city. So I could go on and on and on about the bear, but I love it. I think there's a season three in the works. Yeah. It looked like they set it up. So <laughs> yeah, I think we'll see it, what that brings, I guess, but I don't know. I I'll say I was hesitant about a season two. Because that first season is like a great self self contained yeah. thing, and then I saw the second one. They're like tearing it down, like the trailer. I'm like, oh, I don't. That looks fine, but like, how's that gonna be? But man, they completely blew it out of the water. I think season two is better than season one. I love it. So, I kind of view it as like one whole arc. Well, you watched it, it all as well. Too. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> they seem very connected in a way. Oh, it's like, I f- this could have been one season. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. That they, I, I think directors and writers are going to get better at wrapping up self-contained arcs while also leaving room for possible, like, new seasons just because streaming can kill anything at any point. True. So I think people are going to get better at that, but... Yeah, this was a very close one and two. <laughs> I was like, Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. I'm glad that you watched it. Cause yes, I wanted to get that. I, I would have to talk about that scene <laughs> either way, and I'm glad that you watched it. I did not want to spoil that for you. So. No, yeah. I made it a point where I'm like, we need to accelerate this. So <laughs> oh, that's great. And I guess that's our TV shows of the, of the year. So we've got one more list. We've already been at this oh, for a long time. Oh, my God. Well, maybe we'll... I feel bad that the movie one is the one we're going to have to expedite because that's <laughs> the one that I'm going to be able to talk about the most, but that's okay. We'll try to cruise past this uh, reasonable... I also wanted to save it for question. another one. I don't know. Uh, part I two. could... I could, but I don't know. 
I might do a boy time mini where it is the top five movies I've seen this year. Otherwise, we could do like you could do top five movies next time, and I could put together podcasts slash books or whatever. If we want to extend over list week, we could. We could theoretically do that. I'm not sure. Because I have some movies, but like nothing I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, because here's the thing, because I don't have a whole lot to say about these movies mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, oh, boy. Maybe we should have talked about this before recording. Oh, probably. Or whatever. But, yeah, because I don't know next week if we're going to record, we're going to have an episode because it's the day after Christmas is when we record. I might be out of town. So, eh, let's just do it. Let's make it a big episode. Uh, I'm going to start because I have have six. I'm so sorry. You can take my number five spot. I don't have anything in my number five spot. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Well, okay, because I had five, and then I forgot. About one, and then I was looking at my letterbox, ah. and I forgot it. And I'm like, oh well, I have to put it in there, but I really don't want to like leave out number six because I feel like it's gonna be top of a lot of people's lists. Because uh, my number six is Barbie. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of forgot that happened this year, but I think, I mean, it's a just a fun movie. Um, I think when we were talking about it, uh, this is the most controversial episode of the podcast for people in my life having listened to it. Both my mom and my girlfriend listened to that episode and then talked to me the next day and told me how dumb I was. They never talked to me. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, Although they did use the, uh, you know, the term you guys got this wrong. And uh, so they did kind of lump you in. What did we get wrong? What did I get wrong? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what we were talking about. That was like five months ago. Um, But yeah, no, I think, I think overall, I think the Barbie movie really, really solid. Uh, Greta Gerwig picture. I don't think it really, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about this like mainstream turn that Greta Gerwig is taking because she is such a, a unique voice in the kind of indie film realm. So we'll see where it goes from here, but like I'm glad that that, that style and her comedic angle still kind of is there in Barbie. Um, Ken is great. Uh, Ryan Gosling knocks it out of the park. I think what I've come to realize over this last year is that Ryan Gosling is a really good actor. <laughs> like, cause he's like, you know, he's so like mainstream where you, you can like, eh, whatever, you know, like, yeah, Brad Pitt's a good actor, but like, is he as good as some of the other ones? But like Ryan Gosling is really good. Like in everything I've seen from drive to blade runner to, uh, to Barbie or La La Land. You, you sound like such a film bro. Right? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> talking about the Barbie movie. And he's like, I really like to drive. <laughs> I, I don't really like drive. I haven't seen it in forever, <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> I'm just listing all the Ryan Gosling. No, yeah, I've seen it's him. just funny. Uh, <laughs> but you know he's great, and he plays like this dumb himbo really well, and I like that. That's true. Uh, I I did see that they are going to be doing a new version of the I'm Just Ken song, and it, I and I think this podcast will be coming out. It'll already be out, but I'm just really hoping it's like mixed horribly because that's like the the teaser they did for it is that Ken is going to be the one that's mixing and mastering it, where they're like fighting over the levels, and then the producer's like, you know what, you can just handle it, and then like. I'm like, okay, so this new version just has to be intentionally terrible, right? Like, the vocals are just going to be way too loud and the instrumental is going to be buried. Like, that's what I want. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I felt bad. I'm like, I don't want Barbie to be an honorable mention because it definitely deserves its flowers. It's probably my favorite, like, mainstream, like, a big blockbuster movie came out this year um so that's my number six and you don't have a number five (laughs) no okay i didn't even try we watched some movies that didn't come out this year but i really don't want to talk about them okay okay i can list them (laughs) if you want to I think we watched Napoleon Dynamite like three times because she really likes Napoleon hey, Dynamite. Hey, that's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, last week we watched Tropic Thunder, which was... Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's really stupid. It's a Steve Carell uh, Vietnam ben movie Stiller. about... Or, yeah, Ben Stiller, sorry. Yeah. They're, they're the same in my eyes. Um, yeah, I get them mixed up, too. I don't too. know why. <laughs> But it's a Vietnam movie about making a Vietnam movie. Uh, it's really stupid. Um, the humor is stupid, but good. Yeah. Uh, and um, I don't like war movies, but it has a pretty good... Uh, it's not racist towards the Vietnamese, which I think well, is the highest good. praise I can give any uh, <laughs> Vietnam movie. I like how you're saying it's not racist in a movie that famously has blackface in it. No, yeah, but the, it, that's not, you know. I know that's the joke. Yeah. But yeah. It's actually, it, it's done pretty well. I like it. it, it it's, it's, a good, it's a good meta, like, parody of, sure. of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then we watched Donnie Darko again, which is great. That's a good I mean, movie. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so there's my number five <laughs> through three. Uh, Wait, five I, through I, three? I, I do have Money Plane at four. But <laughs> you coward. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Money Plane. We're not going to talk about Money Plane. I don't ever want to talk about Money Plane. Is that a line from the movie? No. Oh. That's the line from uh, David Bowie's famous line in Twin Peaks, Fire Walk oh. With Me. We're not going to talk about Money We're Plane We're not going to talk about Money Plane. I don't know why David Bowie is forced to gump. That's pretty accurate, though. That's kind of what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he's doing a southern accent. I don't know. Uh, okay, well, then I'm just going to rapid fire some keep, of these until going. you get to three. Um, <laughs> yeah, my number five is Past Lives. Uh, yeah, I think this one's going to dominate the film bro, uh, or uh, I don't know, cinephile uh, <laughs> rankings. <laughs> Uh, this is this year's after sun in my humble opinion where I respect it and 
it's definitely an A24 movie, like artsy A24 movie, not like Midsommar or whatever, or Bo is Afraid, um, which I don't know if I'm going to talk about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's really, really solid. Performance is really, really good. Um, but, you know, this type of, like, artsy melodrama is not necessarily my thing, but I got to give it its flowers at the number five spot. Uh, number four, number four is a somewhat recent one. I couldn't get it any higher because it did just come out last week. It's The Boy and the Heron, Miyazaki movie. Um, the more I think about it, the more I love it. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch it uh, at home once it's out of the theaters. Um, I, I just talked about it last week, so I'm not going to go super in-depth. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you are interested at all, in Ghibli movies or animated movies, if you are just hopping on the animation as cinema train now that Guillermo del Toro does it, then check it out. I mean, I feel like Ghibli movies are a must-see in the animation as cinema world. I mean, that's really the entry point because there's a whole lot of other stuff going on that isn't just the big boys that are doing it. But, Yeah. So do you want to give your number three? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's the Barbie movie. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, I I have a weird relationship with movies. I only watch stuff that's like really in the theaters, and it takes a lot for me to watch a movie. Sure. Uh, I need to basically be forced into it. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed Barbie. I like that there was a kind of summer blockbuster moment. I feel like we haven't had that in a while. And it was fun to kind of participate in while, like, having two good movies kind of lead that charge. Yeah. Um, no matter how, like, kind of cringy it's going to sound in a couple of years when it's like, remember the Barbie Oppenheimer thing? <laughs> um, I, it was cool. I think, I don't know, things are getting more alienating and really bad and kind of bleak. And everything's an IP now, this included. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that some filmmakers are kind of like, I don't know. They're, they're able to stretch it a little bit so it doesn't look like it's just brand awareness like Barbie was. I, I feel like she was able to like really go at this concept um, from a really nice angle yeah. uh, and kind of insert this really like feminist message. Um, could the feminist message have gone harder? Yes. Did I think it spent too much time on Ken? Yes. <laughs> uh, does it say anything revolutionary? No. Um, but at the same time, it's a really great blockbuster that has a really great message. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I will say like, I, I love her choice of using these like, uh, kind of like discontinued Barbies in the movie, yeah. uh, simply for the fact that Mattel would get in trouble if they reissued these to sell them for merchandise as the, like with the movie. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that was really smart because I feel like she is conscious of, uh, her literally leading a charge on a gigantic, huge marketing campaign for Mattel, who's about to launch a million movies based off of whatever they have in their IP catalog, mm -hmm. um, which are all going to be awful. So yeah, uh, I, I hate that this movie exists um, 
I, I hate that it exists, but I think this is the best way it could have possibly been done. Um, yeah. And I, I think the message came across quite strong. So yeah. it was funny. It kept you engaged. It took a lot of weird turns that people didn't expect for it to really take. Um, but yeah, I, I want her to like do this again, but like, like a mainstream one, but I want her to go, I don't, I don't know what her feminist politics is, but I, I want like, give me some bell hooks stuff, like really dig into these concepts to the point, like where past, like, you know, uh, most people would, feel comfortable in <laughs> i feel like it needs to push a little bit harder i feel like it was a little bit soft on men but again yeah. the the movie this is and the the popularity it was going to bring i'm sure had some play in that um they, they should have just shot will ferrell at the end of the movie i feel like that would have been a good ending i would have liked that i want to see how far she could have like pushed the mattel uh people that had to review this movie i'm like will you let me kill someone from mattel like that's how how far can point. we go here? But yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good for what it was. I hate that everything's an IP and a sequel mm-hmm. and a prequel and a part two and a part one. But uh, it's what we have, and uh, this is a pretty good movie. Yeah. And, I mean, and going back to that, like, Barbenheimer thing that happened, like, it, it's a blockbuster, but, like, it wasn't like, oh, it's the new Star Wars movie. It's the new Marvel right. movie. Like everybody yeah. band together and watch Endgame. That it's like, was nice. It's like, okay, we're watching two movies by real filmmakers that are making movies mm-hmm. that they want to make. Like, I don't think Mattel approached Greta Gerwig and was like, hey, do you want to make a Barbie movie for us? That just, it feels like that Greta Gerwig made a movie that she wanted. Right. Um, and our Oppenheimer obviously is not, I don't think anyone was like, Ooh, big blockbuster, a courtroom drama. That's what I want. I am um, glad it exists though. And I'm glad it did as well as it did, because oh, I yeah. think it shows that young audiences are not stupid. That only want like that go towards brands and trends or it's like, you got a three hour Oppenheimer movie and it did phenomenal. Oh yeah. Like I, I think when everything becomes so, like algorithm based and everybody kind of knows the habits for certain age ranges. It like really takes the, the newness out of things. And I think we're seeing that a lot more now, yeah. but I mean, some of like Oppenheimer succeeding is good. Even if I mm-hmm. like haven't watched the movie and, and wouldn't be like super fond of it. No, I think it's good in general. And I think Barbie did the best it could have with that kind of framework in mind. Yeah. I don't know. Film was very political for me. Oh uh, yeah. So are TV shows, but I think film especially. Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, if you go back and watch Little Women or Lady Bird, I don't think you're going to be seeing, like, radical feminist policy or anything that, like, I think she kind of gets hyped as, like, this hyper-feminist filmmaker that's working Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. I don't think you would get that. I mean, it's like more feminist than a Marvel. It's more feminist no, than yeah. Black Marvel or Black Widow or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't know. It's no like French indie feminist movie from the seventies or whatever. Right. Um, no, yeah, these are all nitpicks. This is this is for me mostly. <laughs> it's sure. like you know, most people are going to be happy with the message of this movie, and I am too. Yeah. It's just like I think there's an opportunity to like really, really go extreme if you wanted to. Um, yeah, but I, I just look at it from like the the how society views these things 
in general and the way that everything is becoming more IP based. I, I, I look at that a lot when it comes to movies and uh, a TV, but yeah. I feel like TV is still in a very golden era, but I think movies are starting to fall into this and it's been superheroes for like the past 10 years and it's kind of ruined <laughs> movies for me. I'm not as excited about them anymore. Yeah. I do want to get into and watch a lot more films next year. Um, I would love but, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think the superhero genre is either dead. It's dying. It's, I don't know. Nobody cares anymore. Yeah. I think, I think we're finally at the point where like, I don't think anybody cares about the new Marvel stuff. Like they have killed all of their characters that are pre end game for the most part. And it's just like, okay, who cares about this anymore? DC hasn't even started yet, but I feel, I don't know. I don't, by the time Superman legacy comes out, I don't think anybody's going to care. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know what the next phase is going to be. And I don't think anybody yeah, really it's, does. It's interesting. Cause like, if you look back at like when Rambo was a thing and it's like, you, you started this new, like, here's a superhuman like war hero here to save the day in this gigantic action blockbuster. And then that uh-huh. eventually morphed into superheroes, which is kind of the same thing, but you can, you put it in this larger scale with like multiverses and all this garbage where it's like, where can you really go from here? I feel like there's going to be a, like a very weird shift eventually. Yeah. And I mean, Jonathan majors was just fired today. Yeah. I mean, he's in, he's going to be in jail. Um, so it's not guilty. Well, and fired, yeah. Uh, which I think the funniest thing about all of this is that when Creed Three came out, and Jonathan Majors is like the bad guy in that, and Michael B. Jordan was like, "Yeah, me and Jonathan Majors, we're gonna have an Al Pacino and Robert De Niro thing, where we're just gonna be in all of each other's movies." <laughs> oh, no. First of all, like, well, that just can't happen anymore. <laughs> And second of all, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were barely in movies with each other. (laughs) Well, I guess it's accurate then. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Like, they were in Heat. And it's like, other than that, like, you should have said De Niro and Pesci. Like, that Mm -hmm. would have been a good comparison. But, like, I think, I don't think Joe Pesci is as known as De Niro is. So they're like, Al Pacino, people know that. But whatever we're we're dilly dallying too much we have lists to go through yes we do uh my number three is spider verse across the spider verse or whatever it's called uh probably that's my number two so let's just bunch it together let's bunch it together okay because uh this is i think well i think my number two is going to be your number one so this is actually going to work out really good uh yeah spider-man into the spider verse or across the spider verse uh, probably the movie I was hot, like really hot on when I first saw it, but I have like since kind of, eh, it's gone down for me a little bit. Um, I was definitely in the wave, like when that came out and it was like the highest rated movie on Letterboxd. I was like, Oh yes. Like, I love this movie. I love the spider verse. I just love that setting. Um, that first movie is so good. And that second one is such a great follow up. but I think, I've really soured on it because it is a part one of a part Mm -hmm. two. And at this point, like it was like, Hey, part two is coming out in January. And I was like, I don't even know if it's going to be coming out next year at all. I don't think it is, (laughs) Um, which is fine. Like, I'm glad that they're taking their time with it. Uh, Maybe treat your crew better. 
next time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but I hope so. Uh, especially since like when Christopher Miller was asked about it, they're like, Hey, like we, there's been a lot of stuff about how you've been mistreating your employees. Like, do you want to address that? And they're like, yep, we worked really hard. And it's like, nope, that is not what you say. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, don't, don't lump yourself into it because I'm sure you weren't there for, you know, 20 you hours a day. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Chris Miller. You can sit back and you wrote it and you directed it, but there's also other directors that were probably in charge of the day-to-day. So, like, yeah. I think maybe just some of that, you know, outside stuff kind of leaked in. But... Yeah. Like I said, movies are political. <laughs> yeah. And I think... As a movie, it really takes everything that End of the Spider-Verse does and expands it. The whole, it really, like that first movie is like so much about identity and fitting in with a culture. And obviously they do that in the setting of a superhero movie. And you can do that because they're all the same superhero, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this one, I think I talked about it when it came out. It feels very much like, Yes, I've found acceptance in this culture, but now I need to refine myself as an individual, which is a big concept to be doing in a huge blockbuster superhero movie, which is why I think a lot of people responded to it very positively, myself included. Obviously, it's number three. Um, But I do think I just I can't go that far and say it's like, it's definitely not as good as into the spider verse. And I don't know if I can even like really accurately rate it until the next one comes out. Cause like it, 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 it's no empire strikes back. It isn't like, um, it doesn't take everything from the original movie and do it like completely better. in it's own like self-contained thing. Um, because it is so dependent on that next one. That ending is such a lead in to the mm-hmm. next one. And if you know anything about me, like the ending to anything is like the most important part of a movie, the beginning and the end. I don't care what happens in the middle. If you make me feel something at the end, then you win. And this movie is such a, well, get ready. Cause we're going to do it next time. And it's like, I don't care about next time. Give it to me now, you know? I've been here for two hours, and it's been amazing. And, like, I haven't even gone into how beautiful this movie is. Like, the animation in this thing is, it's, like, I don't even know how to describe it. (laughs) It's some of the best I've ever seen. Unheard of. Yeah. The way that they animated it is crazy, which can only be accomplished when you work, you know. Yeah. You know, know. Uh, too much and you're sleeping in the office and whatever. Um, But yeah, it it is a a monument in mainstream animated cinema. Uh, Even just regular. It's 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 great in animation just in general. Like it is. Yeah, it's a landmark movie. Uh, it's a, it's a touchstone in the way that the first one was. Um, but I'm just waiting for the next one. Yeah. I mean, 
I think this is the only superhero movie I watched. I try not to watch any superhero movies because they just make me angry at this point. Um, sure. But, I mean, obviously Into the Spider-Verse was fantastic. So, of course, I'm going to watch this one. Um, yeah, animation is phenomenal. It's so well done. Um, I don't know. I, I also don't like multiverses as a concept, really. Um, yeah, me neither. But I feel like, uh, I mean, Spider-Man's such an eccentric character, and there's so many different versions of it where it's like, it kind of works. Yeah. Uh, it's quirky. It's not too much. Um, I liked a lot of the new characters they introduced too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing was like the ending. It's like you walk away from the movie not getting closure yeah. or like any like kind of arc closing, uh, which like, yeah, as you sit with it over time, like the way you kind of view the movie changes because it's like, oh, that didn't really wrap up at all. I'm kind of just waiting for the next part. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that happens in like in between those beats is really fantastic. Um, I don't know, man, just the, the Gwen scenes with like the yeah. watercolor changing colors in the background was genius. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole way that everything is storyboarded out in this movie is like next level. Um, there's so many like visual storytelling elements to it without it being too cluttered. All these, like all the spider people have different, uh, you know, animation styles and everything, which is just unreal, different frame rates, all of this stuff. Um, Absolutely unreal. I I think that's the big reason why I I have it this high. It's just like, I was like, you know, I'm into the story. It's fine. Um, But when I went to see Into the Spider-Verse, it was like, okay, this looks amazing. And Mm -hmm. it tells everything visually as well as it does through the story. And especially for this one, when I was like, okay, they're doing like these different animation styles and everything. I'm like, I'm watching purely just to see how they pull this thing off. Um, and I think visually it's gorgeous. Even if I'm not like too into the whole like multiverse thingy or whatever. Um, but yeah, fantastic. They still haven't beat the Kingpin design from the first movie. Um, that's <laughs> no. that's just forever going to be the best character design ever. Yeah. But whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the ending is the one that kind of like helped me out from putting it at number one. Sure. Um, but yeah, very well, good. Uh, big fan of animation. I think I always will be. I, yeah, I need to watch more movies next year. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on movies. I just don't watch a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it takes a long time. Uh, it takes a lot for you to like, yeah. watch a movie. Well, I feel like when I watch a movie, I'm so intensely pulled in where it takes sure. a lot out of me. When it's like a TV show and it's like episodic, I feel a lot better about it. It's mm. a mental thing. Sure. Yeah, I think I'm just the reverse where it's like, mm. I don't want to, because TV shows are commitment. Where it's like, I'm yeah. sitting down, I have to watch eight hours of this. And it's like, a movie, I'm in and out in two hours. I'm like, okay, perfect. I can get mm-hmm. one story concisely, and that's all I need. Um, so we're just kind of the reverse there. Exactly. Um, but I think that'll lead in perfectly to my number two. And your number one, I'm assuming it's Puss in Boots. Correct. Last Wish. And this Didn't movie. Didn't come out this year. It, but tech, well, technically, it was the, it was like December twenty second, I think. So we're counting it. We saw it this year. I yes, think. I think true. it like. I think if we're getting technical, I think it came out this like technically in January, like wide release, but it came out mm-hmm. earlier some places in it's December. Weird. Yeah. Um, on on Letterboxd, it has it as January tenth. 
Oh, okay. So I'm counting it yeah. <laughs> this year. Um, and speaking of, I, I this may be counterintuitive, but I want to talk about the ending first and compare mm-hmm. it to Across the Spider-Verse because the ending of Puss in Boots is very much similar to Across the Spider-Verse on the surface, where it is an obvious lead-in to what's happening next, right? Yeah, but... but- yeah, <laughs> it is like so like I don't even want to say shoehorned in, but it is like, OK, well, that makes sense um, because we are with Puss in Boots for this whole adventure and it is a phenomenal, I, I dare I say, character study of like ego and how that can affect interpersonal relationships or romantic relationships. Um, And this is a Shrek movie that I'm talking about, which I don't want to discredit Shrek because Shrek 2 is a perfect movie. Um, I have Shrek 2 as five stars on my letterbox. I am not touching it. (laughs) And maybe that's nostalgia talking, but it's a great watch it again. It holds up. (laughs) It holds up. It's phenomenal. Um, talk about a sequel doing everything better than its mm-hmm. original. Um, yeah. Shrek two is an empire strikes back. That's for sure. True. Um, and Puss in Boots is an empire strikes back to Puss in Boots one. Which I didn't watch because <laughs> who would watch that? I think I saw it when it came out because I was such a Shrek fan as a kid. No, oh, yeah. Um, I think I saw it in theaters, but I don't really remember it. Um, I don't really think you need to. Um, not at all. I will say, I will say, cause I showed this to my girlfriend, like pretty soon after we got together, uh, we were pretty early on in our relationship and we were watching it and she was like, just, th- this didn't need to be a Puss in Boots movie. I'm like, that's true. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, which is maybe why it's so good. And mm. I, I, and this maybe speaks to, what we're you're talking about with everything being IP where it's like, there's kind of two sides to the coin. Although everybody seems to favor one side where the one side that every company seems to favor is okay, we'll do it again. Just do the same thing again because it works the first time it's going to work the second time. It's a guaranteed return on investment, but it's a numbers game. Yeah. But what you can do with an IP is take that IP, take everything that makes it great, and then make your own spin on it. Where this is on its surface a Shrek movie. Everything is a fairy tale. There's the three, what is it, Goldilocks and three bears, and there's Jack Horner, which isn't really a, a fairy tale. It's very minor. It's like, like a, yeah. I think he even says it's like a nursery rhyme or something. Yeah. But yeah, on the surface, everything is a fairy tale and it's like, it's the same kind of tone. It isn't like a jukebox, uh, soundtrack like the Shrek movies are. Um, but it really is like, yeah, it's its own little, it could just be an, another animated movie mm-hmm. and it would have been just as good. Um, I, like this has maybe one of my f- my like favorite portrayals of like chosen families 
which is a trope that I love. Um, that like, I'm trying to think of like another good example. Literally the only thing I can think of is Stardew Valley. Um, <laughs> which I don't even know if that's a good example of what I'm talking about. Um, but like, I think just like Goldilocks could have been just like a secondary antagonist, um, just another person trying to get the star for their wish. But like they end up being so much more than that because like we get to see the relationship between Goldilocks and the three bears kind of evolve where Goldilocks starts out and she's like, I want to, I want my own family. Like I feel like, yes, I have this like adopted family and they found me when I was a kid, but they aren't really my family. I need to know who they are. And then ultimately deciding that, well, my chosen family is my real family, which is a trope we've seen before, but man, the end of his movie, when Goldilocks saves the little brother bear from getting sucked into the star fire or whatever, it is it's like it's so gut-wrenching there's so many there's so many scenes in this movie where it's like they uh it's like oh i'm i'm gonna die and then someone comes back and saves them um which is a nice little motif i guess i i can't yeah it's i love that too it's kind of corny but i mean I don't know how I've gone this long and not talked about the goddamn wolf. (laughs) One of the best character designs for a villain I have ever seen. He is so cool. Um, Probably one of the coolest antagonists uh, I have ever seen. Like uh, a representation of death where it's just a white wolf with a cloak and two sickles. I'll say Kung Fu Panda level villain design. Maybe even better. Yeah. I know people have been talking about Kung Fu Panda because the the fourth trailer came out. And I'm like, the villains in those movies slap. I've only seen the first one. I think I need to go back and see them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, speaking of DreamWorks, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What did you like about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? Um, I think... I, I, I for at first viewed it as like a okay we're gonna take the Spider Verse art style and rip it off, but yeah. I, I think it's so much more fleshed out in its own little lane. Mm-hmm. Of course, it has a lot of hints to it, but I think it definitely carves out its own. I love all the different like almost anime uh, manga esque elements they pull into it. Mm-hmm. Um, makes it really dynamic. I think one of the best opening sequences sequences oh, in yeah. a movie. Biggest flex you can ever <laughs> do in an animated movie is something like that. Yeah. Um, non-stop action it's a fantastic action sequence you have everything in it i feel like this is going to be one of the best like um like family movies uh out there and i think that's what's kind of missing from a lot of animated movies now mm-hmm. um it's something that's enjoyable for the whole family when you put it on like yeah. shrek 2 has that it, it's Absolutely. i think that's what makes it so perfect um but now when you have like you know you know despicable me two three four whatever Arise it doesn't really have that it's annoying it, it's but this has like the heart of it. It has a really great message. And on surface, like it, the movie does everything so well. It seems really simple and laid out in like a, a very like traditional method. Yeah. Um, but the character development is so much greater than what you usually would get. Um, 
obviously you have the whole like panic attack thing and people were like, Oh my God. Uh, that's a cool aspect to it. <laughs> I don't think it's the whole picture, but yeah. it's a cool aspect to it. You show these really human moments throughout this, like basically just hero's journey of a movie, but there's so much like great character depth within it. Mm. Um, I mean, I think it's always like when I first saw the dog, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be like one of these characters that yep. doesn't stick. But like the dog turned out really well. Mm-hmm. Um, these new characters were like, had a lot of life to them and they weren't just like obvious, like, okay, we need a sidekick and a new little, like, you know, trailer bait type character. Yeah. Um, but he really, really, really worked. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just a really, really enjoyable like experience in theaters. I'm like the colors and the compositions of these, um, and the way that the action is shot is so engaging and fun and fresh. Um, I, I feel like something like this should stick. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of bad copycats of this because this was done to a level that's like near perfect. I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the the wolf character design is fantastic. I love the sound cues and everything oh, yeah, with it. The whistle. Um, yeah, it's like <laughs> you, you you build up so much in, in, anticipation throughout the movie because like you see him in the background in little scenes and yeah. it's like they don't even recognize like they don't point out that he's there. He's just there. Um, he's even like in the beginning intro scenes. Yeah, I he's was, just sitting there. <laughs> uh, they never they never even like do a flashback where they mm-hmm. show that he was there. It's just like that's something that you just catch in rewatches and yep. that's so cool. I love when they do that. Yeah, it's phenomenal and there's not too much to talk about with it i mean again it's like that the ip kind of takeover and nothing's going to be like an original idea or like a lot of stuff isn't i feel like the the director the, the art's always going to shine through these people are incredibly talented mm-hmm. um despite all of these like studios and everything that are increasingly just like you know sticking to data and algorithms and i was like how's the f- fastest way we can get our money back yeah uh you know, these directors are still going to wiggle out and they're going to find ways to make it their own and put their own messages in it. And that's when you get stuff like this. Sure. Um, I think it helps with it being Puss in Boots, too. I was never the biggest fan of Puss in Boots. He was like not my least favorite part of the Shrek movies, but like he was not my favorite side character. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he they like really, really revitalized this character to yeah. like an extreme extent in this movie. Um, I don't know. Everything about it is just like <laughs> the making of a classic animated film. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, I will I will give the panic attack scene its flowers because Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it just became one of those things where that's only like that, that's that was all, all the people, people were talking about. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are copycats of that now where like mm-hmm. I think that was it was shocking to me um when I saw it because like I hadn't seen anything like that in certainly probably not in any animated movie I've ever seen. Um, especially I wasn't expecting it in a DreamWorks movie. No. Yeah. A, a modern like a DreamWorks movie, movie at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, and I think I came away with that just being like, okay, that is so cool. And I would have loved that as a exactly. kid because yep. I'm someone that gets panic attacks all the time. And so, like I saw that and I'm like, I, this is what I would have wanted. Like, mm-hmm. like as a kid, I would have loved seeing that because it's like, that's the kind of representation that like was missing. in like early two thousands movies and growing up, that's what I was seeing. And so that just made me really excited 
for like, man, kids are so lucky where it's like they're getting the kind of representation that I wish I had when I was a kid. So like, I think that is a big part of why this movie is so high for me, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, it's yeah. lucky and unlucky. They're going to get gems like that, but they're also going to get a lot of garbage. Oh yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. But I do think in terms of like Shrek stuff, like we're set because I oh, yeah. think it's directed by a guy named Joel Crawford. I think that's his name. And he's already been attached for this like next Shrek movie. Like, man, if you if you pull off what you just did for yeah. Shrek, we're in for like we could be getting Shrek 2 too. Mm-hmm. Which is so exciting. <laughs> Um, uh, but we don't know anything about that. And that's obviously going to come like three or four years down the line. Yeah. Uh, cause, and if it's going to be that style, you know, forget about it. Which I kind of hope it is. I do too. I I like it. Um, and it, yeah. Yeah. I could watch Puss in Boots on mute and still enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, I don't know. This is kind of another thing I was thinking about the whole IP thing where I don't think anyone was clamoring for a Puss in Boots movie. No, I um, think that's one where it's like it's more of a what can we dig up? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like something similar. Like literally the only thing I can think of is like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Like, yeah, Marvel movies were big. Like they were just finishing, they finished phase one or whatever. They were doing phase two and I guess they were like, what can we dig up? And nobody cared about Guardians of the Galaxy. And then James Gunn made really good that's movies. That's what James Gunn does though. It's like Suicide Squad too. It was like, yeah, you have a shark and a <laughs> balloon guy. <laughs> Who cares about Polka Dot Man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now everybody loves Polka Dot Man. I, that's definitely James Gunn's strong suit, which is the only reason I'm at least slightly interested in what DC is doing. But yeah, I, I just, I love the, I think maybe here's the difference where an IP can be overplayed and it's bland. And it's like, you kind of got to wait. Like this is kind of why Marvel mm-hmm. is struggling right now. I think because yep. If after Endgame happened, you waited three years, like if if they were just starting to re like make Marvel movies now, instead of immediately after Endgame, I think that would have like completely solved their problems and people would have been genuinely excited to get back into it. But it's just because it ended and then it started immediately. I was like, okay, well you didn't get you didn't give people the chance to miss it. We're like right. people who grew up with Shrek movies and still go back and rewatch them because they're solid. Those first two Shrek movies are, are genuinely good movies and I will die on that hill. Um, and now as like adults, you can kind of take that IP and then make it something great is what's really exciting. As, yeah, and as, it's something for the next generation too, which is... Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, when it's something not overplayed like that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the superhero era is going to be viewed like the, the 80s action era where it's going to be really cheesy sure. and everywhere, and our kids are going to absolutely despise it. Um, 
I don't know. I like some of those eighties action movies, but it's not oh, like, yeah, but it's not, it's going to be like, Oh, that's yeah. <sighs> yeah you kind of, you have to kind of like, okay, I'm yeah. watching demolition man. I'm not right. watching high art here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I'm interested in, I mean, I don't know. I would say I'm interested in what DreamWorks is up to, but it seems like they're following the Disney model where it's like everything, we're bringing everything back. We're doing a Kung Fu Panda 4. We're doing a How to Train Your Dragons 4. It's like, no, stop. Stop. Those were great trilogies. And now it's like, okay, we're bringing it back. Yeah, everything's going to crash and burn eventually. Nothing's safe at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we'll take gems like this. I'll take it. I'll take it. And I, I, I do think, it, yes, we have to bash, like, IP milking when it happens, but also we kind of got to give some flowers for when it is I, I praise the creatives great. that make these things. I despise Absolutely. the studios that slate these things for that's, release. <laughs> yes. That, that's maybe where, that's what we should what emphasize. No, yes. yeah. I, I, that, that's, that's kind of, like, going without saying. But, yeah, yeah that is my, my thoughts on that. Well, great. Yeah. As I've listed three IP movies as my top, so. <laughs> hey, well, you know, Barbie is barely an IP movie. No, I mean, yeah. it, it is, but, you know, it's a Greta Gerwig movie. Um, okay. Uh, before I get my number one, I'm going to quickly go through my honor roll mentions. I have three of them. First one, Wes Anderson short film Poison. Uh, phenomenal, probably one of my favorite Wes Anderson projects, really, really short, even though it's adapted from Roald Dahl, um, that whole Henry Sugar, uh, short film run he did on Netflix. I, I think that, I mean, they are essential Wes Anderson. It's a really, really cool experiment what he was doing with that. And I think it paid off really, really well. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three, a really great end of the trilogy, I'm glad that James Gunn was brought back into the Marvel thing, even though they completely ruined his characters with the Infinity War and Endgame thing, where it's like, okay, Gamora wasn't supposed to die, but then they did in End or Infinity War. I think it was Infinity War. <laughs> um, and I think you can just tell that like in that movie, James Gunn was like, there's moments where it's like, yep, and I was in love with Gamora, and then she died on some purple planet with a red-faced guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you're just going to subtweet Disney in their own movie. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so I do think it's a really nice wrap-up on the original Guardians characters. Don't care about any of the new ones, so good luck with Guardians 4 Marvel. It's not, not going to be good because uh, you're not getting James Gunn back. Um, and then Bo is Afraid. Uh, I'm giving it an honorable mention because I'm glad that stuff like this is still getting made and produced. But um, it might have been the death of A24 as we know it because now it seems Civil like. The movie looks awful. Yeah. It seems like they are definitely taking a shift. They're going to start focusing more on IP and established properties. They were fighting tooth and nail for Halloween. I don't remember if it was Halloween. I think it was Halloween they were fighting for, and then they lost it. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Don't love that, like, 
because this is such an ambitious creator driven movie. It doesn't really work, but um, it's kind of fun to watch, but it's not one that I would really recommend to most people because it's three hours long and weird, experimental, like, I, I don't know. I don't think it's for everybody. It's not even really for me, but I'm just glad that it gets made, so I wanted to tip the cap over. But my number one should be pretty obvious if you've listened to the last couple episodes of the podcast. It is The Holdovers, my one and only five-star movie of the year. Uh, this movie is phenomenal. It um, It is easily my favorite Christmas movie of all time now, uh, which my girlfriend would disagree because I showed it to her. We watched it in the theater. She was like, I, I, I wasn't expecting a character development movie. I thought it was going to be a Christmas movie. I'm like, well, it happens during Christmas. It takes place over like the Christmas break in the 70s. So it's a Christmas movie. I'm counting it. Um, if Christmas happens in your movie, I'm counting it as a Christmas movie. Yeah. All I'm saying is... if it doesn't, I'm counting it. <laughs> Fargo's a Christmas movie. I don't yeah. care. All I'm saying is if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then The Holdovers is definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's a good framework. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two of my favorite performances of the year with Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa. Uh, I think her name is Divine, Divine Joy Randolph, I think is her name. She plays the uh, kitchen staff lady that is running the... Uh, kitchen for all the people held over at Christmas break. I don't really want to talk about this movie a whole lot either. Again, I've talked about it three episodes in a row and not talked about really the plot at all because I want everybody to see this movie. Um, because it is, I mean, it is my favorite movie of the year. I saw a review on Letterboxd that was like, the, there is a handshake at the end of this movie that has more emotional weight to it than any hug I have seen in a movie in the last 10 years. And that is so true. Like, by the end of this movie, the ma two main characters have been through so much. And it's not like they've been through a bunch of, like, explosive, uh, explosive like, big dramatic scenes. It is small character focused scenes and like they just learn so much about each other over these last couple weeks. And then once this huge thing happens and like they are like saying goodbye to each other and then it's just like, they don't even hug. There's just like a moment where they like stare at each other and you think for a second, like there's going to be some form of like physical intimacy and then they just shake hands and then they leave and it's just like kind of heartbreaking, but also you can like see in both of their eyes, just like this mutual respect. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's that kind of like mentor student relationship that like, it kind of defined like Robin Williams and like the later end of his career where like dead poet society and like goodwill hunting. He was just like, He's like cool mentor guy that learns to break through to these like kind of rough students. Like I think if Robin Williams was still alive, this would have been like the perfect role for him. But that being said, Paul Giamatti completely knocks it out of the park. 
like I've never really been a fan of his. I haven't really seen much of anything that he's been in that he hasn't just been like a quirky side character in. But he like completely transforms himself in this movie. And I think I've seen some people complain about his performance saying that, you know, it's a little one note or it's predictable where it's like, oh, yeah, you've seen this type of movie before. I mean, like when I first brought it up, I was talking about up where it's like, ah, curmudgeonly old man learns to let people in over the course of the movie because he's dealing with a younger person. And like, that's kind of the thing. But like the way that Paul Giamatti does it, and this was more apparent in the second viewing where it was just like, I hate this guy. Like he is the most insufferable, pretentious, like arrogant asshole that thinks he is so much smarter than everyone else. And is like, not only like willing, but like is almost compelled to just like flex on everybody because he thinks he's so smart because he knows about the ancient Greeks and he's like the worst. Cause, and it's maybe it's, it hits especially hard as like someone who has a history degree. I've met so many people like Paul Giamatti, uh, like especially like professors who think they are like so important because they know like, who Darius the first is like, who cares? Like none of that matters. And like, it's so funny just to see him like interact with people where like other people are like living in the real world. And especially in like 1970, like people have like a lot on their minds. (laughs) Like there's a lot of shit going on, uh, in, uh, in the country at night in 1970. And he's just there being like, did you know that the Greeks were off doing this? And I'm like, shut up. Like people are dying in Vietnam. Like nobody cares about (laughs) what was going on across the world 3000 years ago. Um, so I, he, he kind of sucks, but also you kind of learn to love him. And I think it's, it's just great. It's, it's one of those movies that it's going to be one of my, my cozy comfort movies, which is maybe surprising because there is a lot of like personal struggles between, uh, the, the student and the teacher, but I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you have not seen it, it's in theaters. Please see it. I don't know if it's like getting like more people are talking about it because the first time I saw it, it was in like the little rinky dink side indie movie theater. And then for some reason, last weekend when I saw it, it was in the giant Marvel theater. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Godzilla is also out. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why this little small indie movie is in the Marvel theater, but most of the Christmas. I suppose so. People are wanting to see a Christmas movie. And, uh, but I don't I, care what it is. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Uh, let's, yeah, let's have a Christmas movie where they talk about the horrors of, of, uh, racism and how black people were systemically drafted into Vietnam. Let's do that. Let's have a fun Christmas time. Bring the whole family. Yippee. A, a movie about loss and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, 
rich people having it better than poor people. It's a lot of that. A lot of class stuff in this movie, which is kind of surprising. But, yeah. Please check it out if you have not. You won't regret it. It, it is... It's my favorite movie of the year. So that's... That's my list. Those are all my lists. It's a yeah. long podcast. Maybe. So sorry about that. Sorry for my future self having to get up early tomorrow, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if I'll do a boy time mini with my favorite movies that I watched this year. I did kind of want to talk about the two movies I gave five stars that didn't come out this year, but not now. But is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up? No, I think the best part of this year was Henry Kissinger dying. <laughs> well, maybe next week we'll have our top five people that died. Ooh, that'd be a good list. <laughs> it's the Queen and Henry Kissinger. Well, the Queen was last year. Was it? Yeah. Oh. Last last September. I think it was really? the, uh, the 6th of September. No, the 9th of September, I think. Oh. I, thought I would the... never forget that day. I thought the Queen was this year. Nah, Feinstein croaked this year. Feinstein did. Yeah, I remember that. That was cool. Uh, Don't remember. Who else died this year? I feel like a lot of uh, people that needed to die died this year. Did Bill Cosby croak? No, I think he's still kicking. Mm. I don't know. I don't know either. Just a, it was a nice cap of the year. Yeah. Well, like I said, next week probably won't have a podcast episode. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, there will be a video next week on the main channel, but no podcast. And then I think the next week after that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't know. We'll figure. (laughs) We'll figure it out. But... That's our year in review. I love this this episode. I think we had a lot of good stuff to say. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you disagree or agree with our picks, I If don't you know. agree with all of our picks, you're lying to yourself because my lists were garbage. Yeah. Besides TV. I like my TV list. If uh, if you agree with me that I think you should leave as... as <laughs> is higher than succession. <laughs> uh, please validate me in the don't comments. Uh, don't think that. But if you do, I would appreciate someone who would do that. Uh, I would like to meet a like-minded person. I understand the premise. I'm not mad. Well, I don't care if you're mad. It's my list. That's true. I don't care that you have money playing on your list. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Money Plane will disappear from my list once I actually watch five movies I want to talk about that came out during any given year. Money Plane is to your year-end list that Ang Lee is to Boy Time Podcast thumbnails. Yeah, or to Super Mario Brothers 2 is to Donkey Lists. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I think it's a that, placeholder. It's a good placeholder. Money One Plane is funny. Brought up. It is. Yeah. Bye-bye, man.